0: first time ever hear you loud and clearly
1: Uh, and it was going place
0: that stuff's great
2: but
1: the game is not a roguelike
2: boomer shooter (laughs) hello this is john st john and you're listening to kwep in the key Bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the Drowned God kathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town.
1: Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the Drowned God, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the Drowned God kathala. To frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. You know when you just meet someone by accident and it's awesome as hell? Like they're the coolest person ever? Because this episode is with Andy of Sudden Death and it's fucking awesome. We're gonna talk about everything this is a long episode it's like two and a half hours of amazing amazing content like well i say it's amazing content it's really just me and andy getting drunk uh (laughs) quite a few beers are opened up during the course of this one it's a fun time we're going to talk about everything quake world we're going to talk about fucking you know food traveling music The whole shebang. We're going to talk about Greek mythology. We're going to talk about fucking Scandinavian mythology. It doesn't fucking matter, dude. This is like one of those times on the podcast where the guest and I just really clicked. And I would have spent easily another three days without sleeping talking to Andy if I could. And I'm sure he's going to be back on the show. It is my great pleasure to introduce you guys if you've never heard of him before to Andy and also to share this conversation with him with his uh, fans and hopefully you you guys come to love me as well because I know that I already love you but regardless we're going to play some music actually by Andy on this week's podcast and when that shit's done playing we're going to be in the keep with Andy of Sudden death.
2: get her off his mind until the night he put that bottle to his head and pulled the trigger and finally drank away her memory life is short but this time it was bigger than the strength he had to get up off his knee Found him with his face down in the pillow, with a note that said, i love her till I die." And when we buried him beneath the willow, then the angels sang a whiskey lullaby. La la la
0: la. Quick world la, la, means. A lot to me uh, I spend pretty much my entire life doing quake world stuff at this point um I'm streaming every single day um I have a pretty good twitch deal uh contract with twitch and pretty much everything I do is quake world related whether it's streaming or being an admin in tournaments organizer I guess you could say it's Almost my entire life. There's not much time for anything else.
1: This all began... Uh, you got into arena shooters with Quake 3, if I'm not mistaken, originally?
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, when, when Quake 3 was released, uh, me and um, a friend of mine started playing Quake 3. So when Quake 3 was released, I knew about Quake 1 and Quake 2, but me and a friend of mine, we started playing a mod called Insta Unlagged, which is like insta gib and it had a huge scene for some reason in Quake 3. And we played that for a couple of years before I transitioned into CPM, CPMA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played that, uh, on a pretty high level. And then it's a funny story because I'm real life friends with uh, Loctar. I grew up with him. Um, we were neighbors when I was young. So we, we had this discussion, like, which game is better, CPMA or Quake World? And I was trying to get my case through, like, get him to play CPMA, and he was trying to get me to play Quake World. And eventually he won that argument, so I started playing Quake World. And that's that's how it went, and ever I, I've been stuck ever since. Uh, I haven't left.
1: So what was, like, the transition? Uh, because... CPMA. If it was just straight, you know, VQ3 movement, that would be one thing. But you came from CPMA to Quake World, so the the movement transition probably wasn't so bad. But what about Quake World initially? Like, was the challenge to get into?
0: Um, it was really hard. Um, <laughs> even even though like um, the the movement and the physics are somewhat similar, they're also very different. And the weapons are so, like the biggest difference was the weapons, I think. Um. Quake World weapons are so extremely strong that... So my first ever game um in Quake World was on DM4 in a duel against Lokhtar. And he beat me like 50, 60 to nil or something like that. And I was just like... Well, I understood how to move around the map, but I didn't understand the weapon and the item control and so on. So after that, I just um spent years and years practicing together with uh, mainly BPS and Lokhtar... Mm. and uh, eventually became good at the game but the transition was really hard like it's i think it's easier to go from quake world to cpma than the other way around
1: maybe i i have no experience whatsoever in cpma other than just you know knowing how it basically works and uh you know all the characters that were in quake champions that sort of replicate that movement style and then key yeah. Q- Q- fusion engine sort of Takes a bit of it, but obviously uh, Warsaw and Warfork have their own thing going on. It is odd, though, how um, I talk to so many people who you know started with. You know, I always say that it's like a trickle down effect. So, whatever the hottest, newest arena shooter is, whether that would be you know from Quake Three, uh, Unreal Tournament, that could be uh, Diabolical now or Quake Champions, and everybody seems to find themselves back at the beginning with Quake World. It's such a special game and it, the fact that you guys are still doing this, like you have a Twitch contract doing this stuff, like that's yeah. insane. The fact that it's still so relevant and still, you know, so beloved is incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm just uh, really lucky because uh, I do have the the biggest um, Quake World stream and I, I cover pretty much every single tournament, sometimes even like practice games and so on. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, Twitch staff that really enjoyed this game. Like we call it boomer quake, right? And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of boomers on the Twitch staff. So they reached out to me and, um, offered me a partnership already in 2013. So my first partnership was actually in, uh, 2013 with Twitch. And then ever since it's been updated every now and then, and, um, this uh, summer, I signed a new contract with them. So,
1: so how do you yeah. go about negotiating that deal? So, is 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 it strictly because they just are fans of it? Because you know, generally speaking, you know, Twitch contracts, we think of like either a huge personalities. You know, Doctor Disrespect was one, uh, but or we have huge games like uh, like Diabolical or CS:GO or uh, yeah, Overwatch yeah. leagues, that kind of thing.
0: No, it's only because uh, uh, some of the um, Twitch staff are passionate about Quake Worlds and old Quakes, like uh, DJ Weed, for example, yeah. um, and, and so on. So it's only because they really like the game. Because of course, being a Quake World streamer, you're never gonna reach like the numbers of viewers that would normally be required to be a partner. Mm-hmm. So I kind kind of got lucky in that regard, I guess.
1: You're like the world's luckiest man. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so.
1: It's so, I mean, that's so cool. Like, what an opportunity. And to know that it's your life's work and you've just been grinding at this for, I mean, how many years have you been streaming Quake? I know you've been playing since forever, but.
0: Yeah, so um, I got into streaming around 2000 and maybe 12. Mm Mm-hmm. It was still just in TV. Actually, it was probably earlier than it was still just in TV. It hadn't changed to uh, Twitch TV yet. Right. But, um, the thing was there was a w- uh, void in, in the Quake World broadcast, um, like scene. We had people like Quake Phil and uh, a couple of others that were doing some streaming, but when they kind of disappeared from the, um, from the community, there was nobody streaming the games. So I thought to myself, and people were asking someone, like, can someone stream this? And I was like, yeah, I'm not afraid to talk in front of a lot of people. I don't mind. My English is okay for being my second language. Why not? Want to try it? So I started streaming a couple of tournaments and, um, it was very appreciated. So I just kept going. So, and then got my first contract, of course, with, um, with Twitch. Uh, in 2013 and then been going on ever since then but of course i did play the game a lot before that so um it was a hard decision to go more into broadcasting rather than playing because i was at the peak um like when i when i transitioned into broadcasting i was at the peak of my own skill and was actually doing really well in tournaments and so on so it's a, it was a hard decision but um in the end it worked out fine i think
1: there's something strange about um you mentioned how english you know is a second language and everything but i said the same thing to dennis and a lot of you guys uh swedes have excellent english accents like once you guys get proficient in the language you got like if you didn't tell me you were swedish it'd be very difficult for me to discern like oh this is an accent because like you you speak english pretty fucking well uh better than a lot of english speakers (laughs) To be honest with you, mm-hmm. so
0: I actually have an issue when it comes to that when it comes to accents, because um depending I, I pick up accents very easily, so if I talk yeah. to like British people for a while for like a couple of days, I'll sound like a British person or something like i I'll, I'll pick up the accent way too fast, so there was actually a funny moment like uh, four years ago, yeah, because uh, I spent time with a lot of uh, English people. And, um, then I, then I casted some tournament and people in the chat were like, who the hell is this? They didn't even recognize my voice because, um, yeah, my accent had changed so much. So
1: now I find that people often, when they learn a second language, they learn the accent of the person teaching them or, you know, the people that they talk to the most. So, uh, at one point I was in school and I had an Arabic teacher who was from Iraq and he had learned to speak English from his wife who was Scottish. So just picture like this this very Arab man speaking with a perfect like like Robin Williams doing a Scottish accent. <laughs> and it was amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like this is the coolest fucking thing ever. But I don't know it's it's strange. I always end up diving into like language with people. I, I don't know why. It's like a crazy fascination of mine
0: yeah i I think you have a point though like uh, especially sweden or scandinavian countries and um the netherlands i think dutch people are also really good at speaking english Um, we start learning english in school at a very young age and um and then of course um instead of like i think a lot of it comes from watching tv Mm -hmm. because we don't really dub stuff here so we have subtitles instead so you kind of pick up on the english like in some countries almost everything is dubbed so you don't really get that um you know that constant english exposure yeah so i think that's what partly why why um we're pretty decent at speaking english in these countries
1: i think that's going to be my next big uh tackle like, currently i'm working on spanish but when i finish that course i think i'll dive into the germanic languages uh I'm probably gonna move to the netherlands maybe next year or so oh, really yeah that's that's the plan currently if anybody i don't know if my fans knew that but that that is my plan and so i gotta learn dutch um and then that's probably gonna lead into german and then i have a lot of fascination with uh the, you know scandinavian languages too so i don't know
0: it's actually funny because um uh, i spent two years in the netherlands mm-hmm. um because I had a girlfriend down there. So I lived down there for two years. So that that is funny that you want to... What is the reason that you're, you're moving there? Well, I
1: I just have no reason not to, really. I, I kind of had a point in my life where I've got to make a, a big career shift. I have a day job as a meteorologist, right? And um, I will be finished with that, hopefully, in the next year or so. I kind of want to get out All of right. it and... And then my wife and I were discussing, like, well, what do we want to do? You know, I don't want to go back to where I'm originally from, which is Alabama. I just feel like there's nothing there for me, and I've always wanted to visit Europe. But I've never been, and like, why would we not? Like, there's no other than COVID, but hopefully, that's you know, yeah, pretty pretty well wrapped up by this point. But I don't know. I just I want to see the world and I want to meet new people, and I have a lot of friends in Central Europe and in, in Netherlands and germany and such and it's cheaper than denmark so mm-hmm. you know if i can hang it if i can uh swing the move i'm, I'm gonna do it i just think it's time
0: my also- mind was blown <laughs> by the way when i when i was in the netherlands for the first time mm-hmm. and we went to a supermarket and um they had these um half half liter beers uh for 50 cents each which yes. is like that is so so cheap compared to any beer you can buy in sweden like there's no way you can find a beer for that price over here so i was like blown away <laughs> you know a uh, crazy owl really or the
1: Timcon yeah. land guys yeah he, he was telling me the same thing because they moved Timcon land to uh i think rotterdam area somewhere near there mm-hmm. and he was like yeah well the beer is so cheap how could we not <laughs> it's yeah they put it in a bar too like it's actually in a like a esports bar They're in uh, town, so I can't think of a better reason. Like I love beer; Uh, they have good, cheap beer. Why would I not move there? That's that's enough decision right there.
0: Speaking of, is it is yours cold? Oh yeah, I've got a hold on. Bam! Oh god, I guess this is custom. This customary here, you got to do this. There you go. (laughs) Skull. Cheers, man. Yeah, skull. It's a, I
1: was just visiting my family uh, and friends that I was a, I'm an ordained minister because I thought it would be funny uh, because, you know, we run the cult here (laughs) and all that shit. And my friend ended up asking me, like, we, you know, do my wedding. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I flew home and, you know, one of those weird situations where like the preachers at the bachelor party were all getting shit faced. (laughs) And I've like picked up the habit of saying skull instead of saying cheers or salute <laughs> anymore and all my friends back home are like what the fuck are you talking about I'm like i don't know i just think it sounds more it's there's more umph to that like it just sounds better than cheers it's cheers ends with an s it trails off when people say cheers they often like cheers you know Cheers, cheers. You know, if you scream cheer, cheers, that sounds like shit. If you scream skull, that sounds like a bunch of fucking Vikings are about to come stab your village.
0: <laughs> I, you, I, I was about to mention, like, the um the TV show Vikings probably yeah. uh, contributed to, because there's a lot of people that does that now. Like, they say skull instead of, uh you know, cheers. Uh, j- just because, well, I guess a lot of people have seen that show. So.
1: I think I've only seen a, a few episodes. I, didn't, I don't know. It didn't resonate. I remember what it was. There's a scene in that show where the main character, I don't remember his fucking name, he, but he like sits down at his table and he kicks his feet up on the table to lean back. He's talking to his girl and his shoes have rubber soles. And I'm like, fuck this show. And that took me oh. out of it completely. But I, I know it's a good show. I'll, I'll give it a chance at some point. But
0: I, I haven't seen all of it either, but uh, some, of, some of it is uh, interesting and some of it is accurate. Some of it is not. And Robert Souls definitely is not. I I think it's a cool show if you're interested in in mm-hmm. um, the Norse Norse uh, lifestyle back in the uh, a thousand years ago.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm actually in the middle of reading the the poetic Eddas, and uh, I watch a lot of like Jackson Crawford stuff. I'm really fascinated by all that. Uh, just you know, pre-Christian Europe in general fascinates me, or anywhere. Um, what, what do indigenous people, you know, believe in and everything? So do you, do you guys like learn that in school at all or is it? Yeah, great? yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: We, we get a lot of history lessons of uh, what our ancestors did and um, what they believed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norse gods, for example, and um, things like that. We get taught all about it in school.
1: Do they teach it, you know, in a similar way that, you know, a lot of Western schools teach? Uh, Hellenistic? mythology or is it a bit more serious because it's like historically applicable to your home life mm. or?
0: Well, what i don't know like um i don't remember it's been quite a while uh, but uh yeah you're old i think now. it was just like a, reg- a regular like um so we had a class called religion mm-hmm. and in that class we we got to learn about all the you know all the religions and Norse, um, beliefs were included in that.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. It's
0: It's also, it's also a little bit, uh, you know, um, Marvel, uh, the Marvel movies. So Thor, for example, being the son of Odin. Mm -hmm. Now that is very incorrect. Uh, Thor was actually the brother of Odin. So it's like there's a lot of, um, misconception and weird things about the Marvel movies that does get some people triggered in Sweden, actually.
1: Well, they also tell, you know, they refer to Loki as like Thor's brother and everything. And he, yeah, I, yeah. I believe in the mythos, it's, um, Loki was, you know, the son of giants and Odin, I believe, adopts him at some point. But, you know, it's all through, told through poetry. And once it's translated, you know, to dozens of different languages, you lose a lot in the process.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the videos, but, uh, I mean, the movies, uh, but, um, there are many incorrect things just to make the movies more exciting, of course. Yeah. But it's not, it doesn't align with the Norse beliefs that much. So, yeah.
1: It's a comic book character. You got to let shit go, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is one of the only religions that has uh, been kind of solidified in pop culture like that. Other than, you know, like Greeks, mythology, uh, you, know, you have Hercules and a lot of stuff like that. And then you have a boatload of you know, Nordic Roman and Scandinavian beliefs. Yeah. Or well, Roman. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know how to categorize that because they're kind of the same. Uh, they just have different names in a lot of ways. But I guess the Romans um, took a lot of the.
0: They named a the lot of planets. <laughs> yeah.
1: They, they took a lot of the mythical kind of magical stuff out of their, you know, their beliefs. It was a more militarized society than, uh, you know, Greece. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not that Greece didn't have militaries and shit, but, they, you know, they were kind of in like a beautiful renaissance and they, there was a lot of kind of indigenous reason for them to believe in their gods. It had been adopted over thousands of years, but uh, by the time it made it to Rome, you know, Rome just kind of has this constant history of like, first they took the Greeks religion and then later on Constantine takes the, the Christian religion. And it was more like a political thing than it was a, uh, a an honest, like belief of the people. I should say. Right. Yeah. But I'm not sure I don't want to speak for the, you know, anybody who believes in that stuff. But
0: there weird. are actually still people in uh, Sweden that believe in the uh, Norse uh mythology.
1: Oh, there's people in um, America, especially in England, you know, not necessarily strictly Norse, but you know, Anglo-Saxon or just pagan beliefs in general.
0: Yeah. But, um I don't know. Like one of the most like popular um tattoos to get over here is like Thor's hammer and um yeah exactly and um you know there's a lot of like jewelry that has to do with uh north mythology that people use so it's like it's still very popular here but most of us are uh non-believers nowadays (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: everybody's got their own thing man whatever makes you feel comfortable when you go to bed yeah i'm just interesting
0: how uh how this podcast turned into uh mythology
1: Ah, it's, that's what it is, dude. That's what I told you because you're like, uh, you should take some notes and do some research. I'm like, ah! Let's just see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, see what happens.
1: So when oh, did when did Sudden Death become like the brand for you guys? Uh, you guys have had a oh, number of a people on the team and
0: that's Oh really- yeah, a gazillion people on the team. Um, yeah. Alright, so Sudden Death is actually a very, very old clan mm-hmm. uh, in in Quake World. It was created really early on, way before I played. But then since, um, uh, well, it started developing and becoming a better better clan as the years went by. Then how I ended up in there was because, of course, I was friends with Locktar and he was really good friends with BPS. So through Locktar, I got to know BPS mm-hmm. and me and BPS got became really good friends as well. And he recruited me to sudden death. So then, when um, when I started streaming, it was mainly in the beginning. It was really like the very, very first idea was that I was gonna stream sudden death stuff mm-hmm. mainly, and not cover every single tournament there is. But then that I kind of branched out into way more stuff as as the years went by, and now I do everything in Quick World and the name just stuck, but I guess, I mean, I'm still a part of sudden the, the clan, the team sudden death, but yeah, that's how the name came to be because originally I just thought I would do sudden death stuff, but um, yeah, it turned out to be so much more.
1: It's interesting how you guys kind of share that intellectual property amongst multiple people. So it's, uh, I mean, do you, is there a, a limited liability company of you know sudden death, or is it just like yeah, use whatever you want and do it however you feel like?
0: Um, no, there, there's no real like company behind um, okay. sudden death. It's more like, uh, I think nowadays BPS is the uh, leader, but the the clan was created or the, the team was created by a guy named uh, Trash. Yeah. Way back in like I don't know, ninety seven, ninety-eight or something. Um, but nowadays BPS is the leader in the, like, yeah.
1: So okay. I mean it's a
0: it's a it's a Quake World team, so there's only ever been like one or two teams with legit uh companies and sponsorships and so on. So let's
1: say someone wanted to work with Sudden Death TV, or like, okay, we have a big tournament coming up and we want you guys to, you know, handle this and you sign a contract, right? Says you're gonna do it. Yeah. Um. So you're not protected in any way, like so. Could they just sue you, or do they have to go through BPS? Or Does it sue sudden death the the collective? I'm not sure how the law works over there.
0: No, like, well, that depends. Like, uh, sudden death TV nowadays is kind of separated from sudden death as the actual uh, team uh because sudden death is entirely mine mm-hmm. um uh sudden death t v that is and of course i have uh, a business profile and everything so anything that has to do with sudden death t v would go to me b p s would not uh, not have anything to do with that he does have access however to be able to stream something through um uh through a stream key if he wants to cover something um but that's about it. That's as far as um, that goes. It was more in the beginning, like 2013, that it was more connected to the actual team. Now it's pretty much only the game, uh, the name that um, has stuck.
1: It's weird. I, it's cool. I like that you guys are just totally chill and cooperative, and everybody gets along. Like it's rare. In, in America, you know, everything's about legal bullshit. You know, everybody takes everything so seriously. So. I'm glad to know that you guys are just getting along and doing it and you know sharing the brand, however, it befits the the Quick world community at large instead of it being a personal gain sort of situation.
0: I think it's a win win situation right because um, yeah. um mm-hmm. i I bring a lot of exposure to the team' sudden death, and I am still technically a part of the team, but the stream itself and the contracts has nothing to do with the team. It's literally only the name. So I I think it's a win-win situation for both um, oh. the team and uh Dream.
1: You grew up with Dennis, uh, if I remember him correctly, like on a yeah. kind of farming community, like rural area. No, no
0: um the thing is uh, his parents were divorced.
1: Ah, okay. So
0: um I I was uh, neighbors with his dad, uh, who okay. lived in Stockholm, the the capital uh, capital of uh, Sweden. Yeah. And his mom lived out the farm stuff <laughs> at the yeah way. Out.
1: That's right. That and, sounds, um, that all checks out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he would, um, I was actually like best friends with his younger brother because Dennis is a little bit older than I am. He's a little I'm bit older than all point. of us, isn't he? <laughs> yeah.
1: Locktar, you're old bitch. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but whenever he was in, uh, Stockholm, um, he was the first one to introduce me to uh, to a lot of games like Warcraft Two Warcraft one um uh, stuff like that and like other games as well and of course quake world so you were
1: into gaming really at all before then
0: at the time I was really young like I mm-hmm. said I'm only thirty one years old so um well only I feel old as fuck but um uh it's young in quake world ter- terms I would say so I wasn't really into gaming before that, and my family wasn't really like uh, computers at that time were pretty expensive. So the first computer I had was, um, or our fam my family had, was a really shitty one. And um, I would play like you know Disney games or something on it before Locktar introduced me to to the RTS uh, genre and uh, of course Quake World and Quake in general.
1: Okay. It's pretty magnificent that your world's got tied like that and it's still you're both so involved. I guess he's kind of taken more of a backseat now. I, When I first talked to him, he was like, I'm retired. But then he came back and, you know, won QH land. And then uh, I guess, is he still dating the, the Finnish girl? Is that still a thing?
0: Uh, no, he's, he's not.
1: Damn it. Last time I talked to uh, <laughs> him, he was like, I was like, are we going to have baby Locktar soon? Is that going to be a thing? Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: One of my friends... Yeah, uh,
0: unfortunately, they're not dating anymore. But yeah, um, Locktar has said that he's retired a lot of times. But whenever there's a tournament that's mm-hmm. interesting and pops up, he's back into the game. And whenever he has time, right? Like, he works a lot in real life and he he has a garage. So, um, like, when when um, whenever he's off work, he works on cars and stuff like that and mm-hmm. doesn't have too much time but when there's a tournament and so on he always comes back like he's never going to I don't think like he'll be 60 years old and he won't have quit <laughs> you know playing uh, Quake World but he goes on breaks just like pretty much everyone else in in the in the Quake World scene like people do take breaks and then we have like the infamous summer break when people go on you know, vacation and so on. So the scene kind of chills for a couple of uh, months and then it starts up, it fires up again in the, in the fall.
1: That's healthy though. Like, you know, to take time away and everything, Uh, you know, the vast majority of people kind of do everything all year long, but to just really get away from it all, to unplug to not be part of it and then to come back is I think it's good and it creates sort of a void or it's like you know in the summer there's not a lot of quake world but then you know when it does come back it's like people are hungry for it again so it kind of it adds to the longevity in a in a certain way
0: Yeah yeah no, it, and the, we also like when it does fire off like again when once like September hits then we suddenly get like 10 tournaments running alongside each other so Right now, we have so many tournaments, for example, and we did have the QuakeCon at home, of course, in, I think it was August. That was really successful. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of tournaments that like happened right after that break, that summer break.
1: So you're in a, uh, you and, I don't really, I can't really think of anyone else in your position actually, but maybe, you know, maybe Jahar a Tasty Spleen, but you have a, a kind of constant hold on everything that's going on in the Quick World community. So you have a sort of an encyclopedic knowledge that, you know, maybe no one outside of the player base themselves holds in terms of, you know, who everyone is and where they're from and how they play and everything, you know, the teams, the the drama, the everything. So yeah, with the with you, most of that knowledge travels and and is carried. Yeah. Uh, so do you, you feel, mentioned
0: arre- uh, Jahar as well? Sorry for interrupting, but like, yeah. um, me and Jahar have done so many casts together. We did uh, QH land mm-hmm. together, of course, quick on at home together. Um, he's definitely my favorite, uh, caster to cast with. Um, me and Alex get along great. And, um, He's definitely yeah my my favorite co-caster or well the thing is like when we do cast he he takes on the since I am a little bit more um experienced in the quake world scene and how the game works and how how the players play he takes the play by play role and I I'm so I sort of become like the the color commentary uh, you know yeah. commentator I was going to say um that. and um and we work really great together. Um, I love casting with him. Um, the big difference there is that he does so much more than just Quake Worlds while I'm only doing Quake World. Right. Um, that's, that's the biggest difference. Uh, because he also has a very good, um, uh, uh, setup with his, uh, with Tasty Spleen and uh, his business. Um, yeah,
1: Quake Two and Doom and, you know, a lot of yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Diabolical I, now. I'm now
0: diabolical as well. Yeah. Yeah. And right. he did Quake Champions as well. Like you, he, He's doing everything while I'm only doing Quake World. That's the biggest difference. But we get along great, and um he's definitely my favorite co-commentator.
1: What I was going to get at is that you should probably write a book or something. You need to document everything. Uh, the, the QuakeWorld.nu wiki page is not enough. So your knowledge has to be passed on to the next generation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we actually used to have like uh, blogs and stuff on uh, quakeworld.nu nu, mm-hmm. and I used to write in those um, and write a blog there for a while. That was like over ten years ago now. So.
1: There should be there should be a proper like you know biography or uh, maybe a a documentary or something. Something has to survive this. Um, it's just too rich and beautiful of a you know a scene, especially that it's. Sort of geographically centered, you know, um there are definitely quick world players all across the world and everything, but the specifically the Scandinavian group you guys have held on to this game and done so much for it that it it can't go without maybe I should fucking write this book, maybe that's what I'll do when I get to Europe is, um, pay a it oh, yeah,
0: it's interesting right because uh the European scene and the Scandinavian scene mainly. Has never died, which uh, like the American scene and uh, the Australian scene both kind of died at some point, but they have been resurrected now. Like the North Americans are playing a lot every single day. They have a nice system. I know that Messiah and uh, Nico were on on the podcast as well, Mm -hmm. and uh, like they're doing a great job over there having um, uh, games every single night. Uh, the Australians have also started playing a lot. They even have like in-house practices, so, like four on four, uh, TDM practices. And, um, they all compete in the uh, Nations Cup that you, uh, tuned into earlier today. And, um, so it's kind of been like revived in every part of the world. Yeah. You even have players like playing out of Dubai and stuff like that. So, and of course, Brazil. Yeah. And the Scandinavian scene is still uh, going strong. So, uh, yeah, Quake World is actually in a really good place right now. Like it, it's weird because you see the new Quakes, like Quake Champions was really big for a little while, but then kind of disappeared a little bit. It's not as big anymore. Um, we had Reflex come into the scene. It's uh, also kind of died down a little bit. Diabolical is doing great now, and I wish. The best, like, um, James, um, uh, too good. Uh, he, uh, lives like 10 minutes away from me. And, um, I really hope that Diabolical does well, but it, it is hard to have a healthy scene in arena FPSs nowadays, but somehow Quake World, I don't know exactly why, but, uh, we just seem to be unkillable, I guess, like, w- the scene remains healthy even 24 years later
1: i think it's interesting that so you, you talk about too good and i don't think that there's a an issue with there being a a community with arena fps it seems to be a monetization problem right so like no company seems to be able to figure out how to really make money at it and yeah. that because that is such a large barrier it it is often you know, seen as like, oh, this game's dead, or this game, you know, like whatever. It, you guys are certainly doing quite well with Quake World, but you know, that's because it's like totally open source, and people can do whatever the fuck they want with it. It's, you know, it, anyone in the world can kind of get it. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of computer power, so some, you know, I don't know, any, anybody, like it, if you grew up in a really poor area with shit internet connection, you could still reasonably get a hold of Quake World. Um, Something like Diabolical requires so much more you know there's corporations that uh, you know stand to make money off this thing and if it doesn't then they'll you know they'll probably stop funding it and that's what i hate about what happened to quake champions in general is that uh you know bethesda makes this product and not a criticism towards them or anything but it's like you know as a company they want to make a profit and what we see time yeah. and time again with eSports is that uh if you want to make a profit on an eSports game, it takes a long, long time to establish it. League of Legends is a perfect example. Uh, Overwatch is another good example. Years and years and years and years and millions of dollars of investment to get it to a place where it can just stand on its own. And then even then, the continued chore of keeping it updated and going. Uh, Quake World doesn't suffer from that issue at all.
0: No, and um, of course... Like you said, it's uh, free to play. Um, we still have a bunch of developers uh, constantly updating the game, uh, the game mm-hmm. client, introducing new things, um, improving the game altogether. Not changing like the fundamentals, but like uh, making. <laughs> well, it's kind of ridiculous because we we all play on like FPSs above thousand. And, uh, but they're still optimizing the game even further so that some people can play in like 3000 FPS, depending on your machine. Um, but they're still like developing the game. And these are like legit, um, like the, these people work with coding. Like they are developers, game developers and so on. And, uh, they do this as a hobby on the side of their uh, everyday lives, which is amazing. So like, even though Quake World is from 1996 or seven, 97, actually, Quake One is from 96. It's still being developed as a modern game, pretty much, but they're doing it as a hobby. And like we have, a, if anyone should receive thanks in the community, it should be the developers because the way Quake World looked, um, 24 years ago is very different from how it looks now. So that's so, actually
1: a a good segue. If you, I'm sorry, you seemed like you were going to finish your thought.
0: No, I just wanted to say like they deserve all the praise in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know any of these people. I I would love to you know give them a moment in the spotlight if I could. But send them my way if you know who they are.
0: Yeah, I'll do that after this actually.
1: So the segue that I was referring to is that um. In terms of modernization, and there's been excellent work done, uh, especially with you know server maintenance and just general community outreach, uh, especially here in America, due to you know, Messiah and Nico and Nationwide Moose and all these guys that have just been you know hammering for not just Quake but also Doom and just these older games to be celebrated more. But what could Quake World do, in your opinion, to improve? and move further into modernization.
0: I don't think, uh, I don't think that there's too much that can be done. It's pretty much impossible to like, we've had, uh, the last couple of years, we've had a couple of new players, uh, young players, like 10, 12 years old. Um, we had, uh, two brothers at QH LAN that started playing thanks to their dad, Mm -hmm. uh, who were 10 and 12 years old but like getting new players i don't think it matters how much we modernize the game because we're never going to be able to compete with like the mainstream games they have such big uh, you know funding and investors and, uh, you know like there's, i don't think we can do too much we can just try to keep the keep the game as uh, pure as possible and uh just i guess keep doing what we're doing because eventually what's what's interesting about this is that there's going to be a generation change because a lot of quake world players are getting kids now like they're becoming parents mm-hmm. and bps for example he has three kids now and just the other week we had a show match between his two sons <laughs> so his two sons were put up against each other in quake world and who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll have like a generational change where our kids um, will, you know, will just pass the torch over to them. You know, who knows? But I don't think that there's much modern modernization that can be done or should be done, actually, apart from like minor things, um, because I I think the the pure feeling of uh, Quake World and the fact that it is, um. I mean, it's uh, the the feeling of Quake World is so unique and you don't want to lose that. So you don't want to modernize too much. It could actually backfire, you know?
1: Yeah. Do you mind if we, uh, we put a pin in this thought? I want to go uh, take a piss and get another beer, if that's fine with you.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. All right. I'll do the same. Perfect. Come right back.
1: Oh, you're back. Yep. All right. Since you, I assume you got another beer. I did. In that case, are
0: we doing it? Skull. Cold, my
1: (laughs) friend. Two. So what I was thinking about was um maybe this is the American in me. I have this idea, like this sort of natural, stupid drive to make everything bigger and all that shit. Maybe maybe Quake World needs to be just you know left alone. Let the community naturally thrive. Maybe it does need to be that generational passing of the torch thing. But in my mind, I always have this insane sort of drive to, like, there's got to be some handsome, young, Elon Musk-type character out there who's got a, a bunch of money and loves Quake World and wants nothing in return and is just willing to throw a bunch of money at some super talented developers and say, like, let's make... The, the client to end all clients. And there's, there's not anything necessarily wrong with like the way that it currently works with Easy Quake, but, or, you know, End Quake or anything, but there's gotta be this happy medium between, you know, the tradition of the game and there's, you know, a modernized way to play it that allows, you know, kids these days, right? You know, and I'm one of them, you know, I'm 25. I'm not, I'm not quite as old as you and definitely not as old as Locktar. but.
0: (laughs) BPS is older, actually. one year uh, older uh,
1: than. One. <laughs> we, we don't we don't speak his name here anymore. He's dead to me. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love you, BPS. But kids these days are used to you know going on Steam and downloading a game, and a lot of it you know they're they're pretty much spoiled to the free to play you know model, and they're also used to just being able to change everything you know in the menu, and you can do a lot of that with Quick World, but you know what you mentioned earlier like the 1000 fps thing there are all these like weird little tricks that you have to kind of play to you know be competitive and console commands and everything and it's just simply not something a lot of people with the short attention span that you know we kind of attribute to this generation are going to be able to you know hang on to long enough to get into it and there will be some for certain but I feel like breaking that barrier would be such a huge help. You know, if I just downloaded, you know, uh, Quake Client 2.50 billion or whatever the fuck, and and it's just totally modernized and easy to do and change it and make the graphics look exactly how you want in the menu. Um, with modernized controls, it's another thing, you know, scrolling up and down with your arrow keys is for some reason a huge chore to some people. And to be yeah. able to really uh, have that would be incredible.
0: I I have two points. Uh, um, Like, first off, the whole thing about, like, Steam. Mm-hmm. That's a, a brilliant idea. If we, like, Quake 1, as the game itself, is on Steam. However, Quake World is not. So if you want to play the game, you have to go to endquake.com and download it from there. Which isn't really good, like, if we... If there was a way for us to, to get Quake World onto Steam and maybe, you know, somehow get some, um, advertisement done on like the, the, the home, you know, the first page you see on when you open Steam or something, something like that would be very, very good for the scene because it's really hard to increase the size of Quake World. We can, we can do a good job in staying healthy, but it's hard to grow. Second thing I also agree with you is that the menu c- can be done. Like, I don't expect a twelve-year-old kid to understand the console commands, right? And how to find them out and so on. So, like, or want menu... to learn it?
1: That's my that's my point. It's not that yeah, they can't exactly. figure it out.
0: It's way easier to just fire up, uh, you know, Fortnite or something and yeah. play that, uh, where you basically don't have to change anything. So, the menu could definitely be improved. To make everything easier, uh, you should never really have to use the, um, the console for anything. I mean, if, if you already know how to, then of course you can, but if you're a new player, you shouldn't need to. Um, and developers would answer that you don't really need to, uh, the way it is now, because there are a lot of like settings in the menu, but it is still like, in order to customize it the way you w- really want it to be, you kind of need to use the console, which is uh, which is a problem I think for a new player. Yeah, so I agree with that. Okay. Th- that's something that could be modernized uh, a little bit more, or actually quite a lot more. It's just hard because, like, even if Elon Musk uh, threw a million dollars at the developers of the uh, Quake World, <coughs> I don't know that the Quake World devs. Uh, developers would know what to change because like they don't like if we think of something that we want to change or that we can change or should change uh they would do it for free you know
1: (laughs) as with all systems and not just computer systems but any you know mechanism you know uh, physical or uh, metaphorical there's always going to be like a an underlying infrastructure that's been worked on for a long time. You know, we see this in banking, you know, with a I, I had a friend at one point who knew how to code in uh, Cobalt. So there were all these banks that right. were just refusing, you know, or not refusing, but like they literally couldn't afford to like change their online banking to a more modern computer code because everything was already, you know, in this in the system in a certain way. So he was raking in the dough, you know, just doing shit in Cobalt for all these banks, Uh, but for Quake world or for any of these games, really to have someone from the outside come up and just pick it up and say like, all right, we're going to take this and modernize the shit out of it. It it, it would require so, you know, years of work to be dissected and understood and re understood and recreated. And we're, we're speaking very idealistically. And I, I admit to that fully.
0: Yeah someone has to come up with an idea of how we want to modernize it because our developers are so skilled that they can do almost anything with a client. Question is like what they should do. Like uh, we, we can put in like personal requests and um, if they look good, then the dev team will just do it. Like they yeah. are so skilled. It's just that we don't really know what we want to change. Like, um, And it's also hard to make everyone agree on changes. Like, um, the North American scene might want one thing and the European scene might want another thing. And it's like hard to get everyone to agree on changes. And especially like really old players that have been playing for over 20 years, they might be against modernization. And like one of the beauty, uh, like the beautiful things about Quake World is just how extremely hard it is. And people who have spent like um, 20 years playing, they don't want it to become easier in any way or like modernized or like simplified because they've spent so much time learning how to play this incredibly hard game. Like I think Quake World and uh, StarCraft 1 Brood War, Mm -hmm. I think those two are the, the most difficult games in the world. Um, it can take you 10 years to become good at, uh, at Quake World. Like it, uh, it's such a hard game. So I don't know. I, I have no idea what could be done to the game. Um, what I think could be done, however, would be maybe the Steam thing, if that is possible in any way. I, I don't really know exactly how that works. Um, and try to bring in, uh, a, a bigger crowd when it comes to, uh, coverage and broadcast. So, for example, we, we had go- very good viewership for QuakeCon at home, but QuakeCon at home was not sponsored by anyone. So, um, I put in $4,000 to the price pool from my own pocket to make mm-hmm. it a little bit more interesting for, for people, uh, both players and spectators, because when money is involved, um, it automatically brings more attention, right? Um, and if the more people we get to watch the game somehow we need to figure out like how to reach out to more people right and yeah. um the more money the scene will have like most of the money that i make from my stream i reinvest into quick World, in into tournaments or or well mainly tournaments i i would love to donate money to the developers but they st- already do everything anyways like I, maybe as a thank you, but um, I don't know. They, they, I feel like they don't. They're, they, they would never ask for money. So it feels like in order to get a bigger audience, somehow getting more money into tournaments and so on would bring uh, a little bit more interest from perhaps other games and not only like quake-related games and arena FPSs.
1: Well, it's okay. If I say anything from here on in that is going to get you, you know, fired or whatever, you just cut me off. But obviously, money is a huge factor. So there's a lot of different ways to go around that. We could make a like a Patreon page for the, you know, here's the Quake World Dev team. Uh Let's get these guys paid and like have people subscribe, and you know, that could be a way to do it. There's a lot of ways to crowdsource that. We could set a, you know, a GoFundMe or a goal, like. But there would have to be a plan in place anyway. Uh, I think you know some sort of something like a prescription or sorry subscription service would be more apt in that case because it's just a continually like um showing of appreciation rather than a, a contract of like we expect you to do any particular thing if that makes sense
0: um i think a patreon for the developers the, the issue is that there are so many developers it's not like one person working on it so um kind of hard and they changed all the time like 10 years ago we had different developers and then we got some new ones some older ones disappeared and uh, it's kind of hard.
1: There'd have to be an infrastructure in place right like there would have to be a I don't know a president of the you know Quake development team right and then they would have to then designate jobs to people you know I understand that right now it's very grassroots and everyone's just kind of like doing their own thing uh, and volunteers are part of it but like in the in the case that were monetized like if they were actually accepting money then obviously they would have to have infrastructure in place yeah yeah
0: there's kind of like one main main developer and i'll 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 throw him your way after uh, this podcast and maybe you guys can set something up because um that could be a very interesting podcast i believe uh to hear his uh view of things but yeah, an infrastructure and maybe a Patreon for the dev- developers would be amazing. To If only, like, they will still do everything for free, but they do deserve the praise and a little bit of money. Then that would be great.
1: Yeah, buy their it's beer just- for a month. Like, it, it, fucking yeah. come on. They're, they're making the, one of the best damn games you've ever played in your life. It, people have spent exactly. years of their lives and bring so much happiness to the world. Buy them a fucking beer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, they deserve so much. Like, they are the main reason that, um, Quake World is still alive.
1: So, back to the, the dangerous topic of, again, yeah. cut me off if I say anything. I, I think it's. So, you're in a really unique position where, you, you know, you have people who love Quake World so much that they're willing to invest in you as a, you know, as the product. You're continuing to stream all the Quake World events and you know, partnered with Twitch and everything. But, I don't want them to not do that, but I'm saying what's preventing them from throwing their money at the game itself and not just at, you know, continuing to popularize the current version of the game. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, DJ weed, if you're hearing me or, you know, whatever, like if you guys have a shitload of money and you really, really love Quake world, you could be that Elon Musk character and organize this.
0: I mean, I love the idea. I just don't know where the money would go to, right? Like, uh, right. You'd have to have a good, good development team. Sort of development, yeah. What would the developers do? Like, what can they do? Um, I mean, they can do anything, but what do we want them to do? Like, yeah. I, I think they would be like, uh, a little bit confused as well. Even if they received a lot of money, they would be like, okay, so. Thank you for all the money. I'm ready to do whatever you guys want me to do or want us to do. Mm -hmm. We are ready. But what do you want us to do? And then we wouldn't have an answer to that. You know, I I don't know. It's kind of a hard question. Just to be a captain
1: at at the helm, you know, of the ship. There
0: would have to be a lead, like engineer or whatever. I don't know. I'm just throwing shit at the wall. I, I just yeah. love the
1: game and I love the community, and that's what it really comes down to. Is I don't know what the 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 prescription is to help or fix or you know whatever it is that needs to be done. I just know that whatever can be done should be done. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, something that uh, we do need people to do, like um, getting sponsorships by whatever company right it's not actually that hard but we don't have anyone actively working on it like marketing it's pretty much only me at this point in the entire scene who's uh trying a little bit but i don't have time because i'm i'm spending probably more than eight nine hours a day doing quake world things not not being on air all the time but i do so much research and um Preparing stuff for whatever is to come, whatever I'm going to stream or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Also doing all the administration stuff for so many leagues and, and tournaments. So most of my days go to that, but I would love to have someone in Quake World do a marketing job and trying to get sponsorships for tournaments and so on. Because it's so easy for me, like, um, to, Give them exposure, the the company, and for only like for money that a big company like Intel or something they would not care about. Like it's not money. It's not like we're not asking for millions, right? And I think it would be quite easy to get a, a sponsorship for tournaments instead of you know uh, the the only ones that we have now are like either crowd funded. Or when it's like an anniversary, like the 20 year anniversary at QuakeCon 2016, the organizers there, uh, Bethesda, Cinemax, and uh, uh, ID or ID, they threw in twenty five thousand dollars into the prize pool for that tournament, which which was great, it was a great success apart from the finals. But but if it's not them, it's only a crowdfunding right now. But it is easier than people believe to get a sponsorship a small sponsorship yeah from a big company so someone i so to every quake world player or anyone having anything to do with quake world listening to this when this is released please step up if you feel like you you can take on the the mantle of being a, a marketer doing some marketing For for the game because I would I think that would raise interest both um, for viewers and for players and it would entice people to play more and um, even though we have a healthy scene there are like dormant people or players like uh, Locktar like who only like resurfaces when there's a nice tournament coming up or you know things like that you could get Locktar on board very quickly if there was a sponsored uh, tournament or something you could have a you know intel tournament or intel dual tournaments like we there's so much exposure that they can get and yeah it, it could be a win-win situation so i really hope that someone can take on that mantle so
1: here's an idea yeah um, on that front um i'm not sure if you're aware uh this will it'll probably be over by the time this actually airs i'm not sure but i'm currently you know doing this uh pigeon classic charity event uh do this every year um this is the third one where we pick a charity and we just raise a shitload of money for it so um one of the sponsors this year is zen sports uh they're an upstart uh sports betting company right so they or basically a mobile app where you can you know bet on any sport you want. It doesn't matter what it is football, basketball, darts, uh, billiards, y- you name it. Anything you want. Peer to peer betting worldwide. Which I thought was like okay, that's really cool. Uh, gambling makes people interested in things. It definitely gives you some investment in uh, whatever it is that you're following and they recently moved into esports and they have a really strong focus on arena fps because of the open source nature of it because they don't have to like you know constantly sign contracts with different people to have the rights to do it like they've got one with diabolical but in general like they've been they've done xenotic shit they've uh, they're working with me right now on a couple of diabolical things and a warfork thing and i pitched them you know like what about quake world uh, because Messiah was getting ready to do his, uh, they got the 4v4 draft league coming up at some point here. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, this fucking sounds great. They're for whatever, you know, they're for anything, uh, that basically makes their company money, which is good. And so, like, if you guys had maybe peer to peer betting going on within the Quake World tournaments and perhaps, uh, Zen Sports, were to, you know, like, we'll, we'll put, you know, money into the prize pool. That could be another big thing because not only are they invested in, you know, watching your stream and watching what's going on, the, the audience, I mean, or the players themselves. But then they're also, you know, like I've got, you know, a cryptocurrency, whatever, you know, they're using to bet involved in this too. So then there's a whole added reason for them to continue to like follow the, follow the game and support the game
0: yeah uh, I mean absolutely like that sounds amazing to me of course there are different like uh betting laws uh in different countries, so betting company could be dangerous in some mm-hmm. for maybe but uh but still um i i i would love that i mean
1: I'll put you guys in contact how's that sound
0: yeah please please do
1: and we're uh we're benefiting the uh, Florence Nightingale Foundation this year. Yeah. The nurses and midwives and all that stuff. I I think especially with COVID going on, like I have friends whose wives or, you know, husbands are nurses and they're like drastically overworked and everything. So that was like a really obvious choice for us. Like, let's, let's do something to benefit them or get more people, you know, work in that job so that they can, you know, have time off or or whatever. Cause they're constantly
0: really good cause.
1: It was cool. and, And I'm happy to do it, but it also benefits you know us and you know the, the podcast and the arena shooter community at large and everything so uh, it's a win-win but yeah when i uh i'm doing a lot of uhs and buts right now sorry when I'm i sorry. when i think about how that could benefit quick world uh, the the biggest thing i see is that um with companies like Zen Sports stepping in and like we're we're gonna donate, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever and we're gonna put on all these tournaments and, and help out with it and everything, uh, I don't see any reason why Quake World itself couldn't benefit from that. Um, the other thing this is just me talking bullshit. I don't know anything about how legally it works in every country, but because it's peer to peer, it's just between the two people betting. You know, it's not actually between you and that company, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, okay,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't think you have any legal liability for two people, you know, wherever they are in the world deciding to bet on something uh, that I'm aware of.
0: I think it would be okay, and we don't really have many like South Korean uh, players, (laughs) so because I know there it's very, very strict that you're not allowed to bet, but we don't really have South American, uh, South Korean players. So, how much?
1: How much control do you have over like what goes on the stream? Is it totally up to you?
0: Yeah, uh the the stream is totally up to me. Everything is uh um, I make I make the rules pretty much.
1: Do you want to get involved in the charity drive? I'll send you like links and uh logos and shit if you just wanna put it on there or put it in the uh like the Twitch chat uh, auto post or whatever if you have I don't know if you have a bot that you use or whatever, but you know, like you know subscribe to our youtube channel and that, that kind of shit and you just like hey consider donating to the charity event that could be possible too
0: yeah uh i mean um you can privately after the uh the podcast you can give me some more information on how long it's going to go on and so on and uh i can definitely add a logo and uh add it to the bots and so on i can i can help out where where i can for Sick. sure
1: yeah we'll talk after the podcast brother do you have anything else that comes to mind that you just really want to say or you know, feelings you have about the community at large, final words or anything before we go? Because I've kind of run out of questions for you, to be honest.
0: Oh, man, you need to think of more. And this is, I mean, I, I'm enjoying this. My I beer enjoy. is not done yet. I'm not well, done with my beer. <laughs> I
1: could go for literally ever. It's just a matter of like, a, <laughs> you
0: know.
1: Joe Rogan does like a three hour long podcast and people will accept that. But you know, for me, I'm like an eh, hour and a half, whatever it's, we're about an hour and 12 minutes, but I'll literally talk to you for until you fall asleep. If you want me to, um, <laughs> but you know, what's um, on your no. mind? What, what's, what's Andy up to and what's going on in Andy's brain? That's what I want to know about.
0: Dude. I mean, how do I answer that? There's only quake world at this. Point. Like there's only quake world. How could you like, have such you- a
1: singular focus?
0: I don't know. It's kind of autistic, I guess, but, um, <laughs> I just love the game and I'm really passionate about it. And, um, I tend to almost like overwork myself when it comes to, I wear myself out a little bit because I work a little bit too much with, mm-hmm. with the Quake World stuff. Um, because it, it, it's not because of the amount of hours that you work. It's more that Quake World is a worldwide game, right? So you try to follow the Australian scene and then you follow the European scene, Australian scene, right? And they are currently 10 hours ahead of me. And then you follow the European scene and then late night you try to follow the uh, American scene. So it's like I get way too little sleep. So I wear myself out a little bit. Um, But it's only because I'm so passionate about it. I want to see every player play. I want to study every player so that when I do uh my broadcast I have a very good idea of how every single player plays and their play styles and uh I have like spreadsheets and um and stuff for almost every single player that are a- that is active I don't know it's all it's all quick world for me um at this point I don't expect to do this until I'm like 60 or something like that but for now, I it pays the rent at least, so, which is kind of cool for such a small game.
1: That's an. I, I think some people are going to hear this and be like, "What in the fuck?" Like they're going to be so jealous of you. That's the coolest opportunity
0: ever. I've been really lucky, for yeah. sure. Um, I wouldn't say and you're I'm lucky only-
1: necessarily. Like you put in the work; you really have to be where you are.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's true that I've worked hard, but you need some luck on the way as well to be able to, uh, like, um, get into this position. But it should also be noted that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live as cheap as I can. And, and then any money that I have left over, I pretty much invest in Quake World. So it's not something that I will be able to do for the rest of my life unless for some reason we managed to um get a big big viewership for for Quake World uh, the the issue is that most young people uh, young players even people in their 20s they don't even know about Quake World if they knew about Quake World I'm sure they would watch it because it's such an uh, such a unique game and um so yeah if we could only reach out to more people that would be Amazing for the entire scene, and that's kind of my goal. That's what I'm trying. I'm I'm always trying to uh, advertise, of course, a lot about uh, my stream, of course, but um, indirectly about Quake World, of course. Like I always like Quake World is what I'm promoting, not really my stream, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, are you on social media? Do you, what's your outreach?
0: Um, well, I do, I do have a Twitter, of course, like, uh, twitter.com slash, uh, underscore Andy, but doesn't have a huge follow, following or anything because it was, um, mainly pre, or well, previously it was only for like reading about other, other things. But oh, oh, actually I have something else, um, going on. So. I'm doing a series of like, um, of games that I found interesting or funny or the best games I've ever seen in different mods and so on. And, uh, Thorin, you might know who that is, reached out to me on Twitter and, um, um, wants to do a co-commentary thing uh, of some games that he found interesting because he's another person, like all these old guys. They know about Quake World. The old guys at Twitch know about Quake World. Um, Thorin, of course, uh, the esport historian, of course, knows about Quake World. Um, I did an interview with him a couple of years back where he interviewed me and, um. He's done some really great uh,
1: interviews, by the way. Like just you. uh, He's done, I believe he had Fatality on at some point. Like, really good stuff he doesn't have to cover arena FPS at all I and mean, honestly it's he as an historian he does but like in in terms of content it's not yeah. you know it's not the biggest thing but he does it anyway and that speaks volumes to him as a person
0: yeah it, w- it was an honor for me to be to be on his show as well um and um but yeah so hopefully I'll do some some, uh, some commentary together with him of some older um quake world games. Mm-hmm. so um but i think that uh the the most important social media would be youtube i guess so youtube dot uh, com slash tv sudden death because there's gonna be a lot of content there yeah from previous streams and uh games and tournament games and so on so you should
1: you should have a separate like so you should have your personal twitter account Right, and Andreas Wall. Uh, Vol, is that how yeah. it's pronounced?
0: Yeah, well, in Swedish, you actually pronounce it as a as a V. So Wall. Yeah. Uh, wall, But okay. uh, but most Americans would say Wall.
1: So you should have that, but you should also have the sudden death TV or you know sudden death Twitter uh, that is representative yeah. of the brand, and keep them separate. Like you can retweet everything yeah. they say. You know the 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 company, the, the, whatever you want to call it, the brand says, but yeah, from what I understand, I just recently talked to a really great marketer for uh she works for dread XP starlight skies. And she was explaining to me how important that is uh, in terms of, you know, people, you know, when they see you tweet your shit on Twitter, that's one thing, but when they see the, the brand, they expect, you know, to see just, just the brand shit. So if they subscribe to the, uh, the sudden death TV Twitter account, they just want to see that. Right, and I know yeah, that's exactly, what yeah. that's what's coming from your personal Twitter feed, from what I can see. But yeah. to have them separately, and then you can you know talk about whatever the fuck you want, and then like people that follow you, you push them towards the brand, could also be really helpful. Um,
0: yeah, it's on my to do list. Uh, I I already knew that, and um, I know that Jahar does the same uh, mm-hmm. with the Taste of Clean TV and um i i know that i should do that it's just been um well it's been a lot lately a lot of things are going on in the quake community and uh, a lot of things happening a lot of tournaments a lot of leagues um i just haven't found the time to be honest but um, do you personally do you
1: have your own patreon account do you have like no 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 you should man yeah
0: i guess i'll add that to the to-do list um you want me to make it for you?
1: I'll make it for you. You, you send me the email addresses <laughs> and passwords and I'll just make it for you. And then you can change the password. And we're done. But like, I, I hear you talk and you're, you're this person who is so incredibly passionate about something. It's, it's literally beautiful. Like, but you're, you know, you're living as cheap as you possibly can. Uh, there's no room for a family in this life. You know, I, I don't know what your goals no. are personally, but like Andy, you're, you're killing yourself. For the, you know, for the sake of this community, and give them every opportunity to buy you beer. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> give them upper, every yeah. opportunity possible to, you know, help you out doing what they're benefiting from. And yeah, I know- so
0: far I've, uh, I've only like, uh, um, like the only way to to support me and and indirectly Quick World uh, was to. Or is to um, uh, either just watch the stream, or, uh, or of course you can subscribe as well. But a Patreon is a is a good idea, of course. It's absolutely something I I should think about. It's just a lot of things to on the to do list, you know. There's it's a lot of things going on.
1: Well, some fucker out there listening, it, it, people that are tuning into this podcast, you probably found it in the the Quake World Discord, right? Because that's where I post all the quick world shit, and everybody like freaks out every time, and then it dies off. You're listening to Andy right now. Andy needs you. Be his marketing person and get on there. Be his staff. You know, volunteer to be his fucking staff. You have nothing going on. You know, you're Mm. seriously. If you're if you're just some kid out there listening, or you know, if you're a guy who's got you know a good job and a lot of extra time, or if you're laid off for COVID right now and you're just getting paid to you know sit at home. And I'm sorry to all the people who are like actually suffering, but I mean, like for real, if you're in a good position, help Andy out, make his Patreon page, help him make the Twitter, run the Twitter, do all the stuff and help your community out. This is a call to arms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my man.
1: Yeah. You don't have to say it. I know you're not going to because you're a selfless person, but I'm serious, man. It's it's very important. You know, if I can do it, and I'm doing bullshit over here, like the work that you're doing can definitely be better handled for on your behalf. You know, you can't do everything. You're just one person. You got to sleep. You got to eat. You got to have a personal life, whatever that is.
0: Yeah, that if, is something I don't really have at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> should have a whole team. You know, it shouldn't just be you staying up all night to stream every. Oh,
0: yeah, I mean, um, there's some people helping me in some ways. Like, um, I do have like BPS, for example. He's a graphic, uh, graphics designer. So he makes a lot of the graphics. So I don't need to make them myself. Um, so I do get like a little bit of help uh, from the sudden death guys. Well, it's basically BPS only, but, um, um, he does a lot of uh, graphics design stuff and like videos for me. And uh like, if you ever see like an intermission video or something like that on the stream, that's probably from BPS. So I have a lot to thank him for because if I had to do that as well, I would probably die. <laughs> so, so he deserves a big shout out as well.
1: Yeah. It's the same here, man. Like with, the The podcast and the just not just the podcast, but the esports stuff and everything that we've got going on here. There's no possible way I could do all this on my own. Like I work a full-time job and then do the podcast on top of it. And without my team, you know, without the Gilmo sons and the, the Hadukants of the world, there's, there's no fucking way I could do this. And yeah. I'm, I'm eventually going to owe them all like a, a big chunk. Of, if I, if I ever make anything of myself, I'm going to owe them something. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean,
0: it, I, I'm sure it's nice to have like a team. I just know that a lot of people that I trust in the community have pretty hectic lives. So, for example, BPS, uh, like I feel, I feel so sorry for him whenever he has to make like um, uh, some graphics for me because he he has three kids. He he's being overrun by his uh, children like every day, like. <laughs> he he has a very hectic life uh, like personal life so and most most people that uh, i really trust have so much going on in their own lives uh, so kind of, it feels almost um uh, i don't know maybe maybe i'm being too humble or something but it's like uh, it feels um, almost mean to ask them or something of them but uh, i don't know a team would be nice definitely take some workload off my back but um i also kind of like um you know being in control of um of what i do but uh there are definitely things like marketing for example that people could help me with and um i don't know what else like there, there's a million things that needs to be done it's
1: i don't know it's just constant struggle it's it's a weird world that you know we live in where it's everybody's trying to get their content looked at, you know, uh, you're streaming. And I I have the same kind of feeling where it's like, I'm like, all right, I'm going live. But then I look at like everyone else that's also going live at the same time. And I'm like, why would they even care, you know, about what I'm doing? There's all this other amazing shit going on, but you also have the unique opportunity to reach out and, you know, speak specifically to the people who, despite all of that, care what you're doing. And, at that point, you're talking to people who really fucking care, you know? So,
0: yeah. I think, um, I've never really been bothered by the fact that, like, there's a million other streams out there with uh, a lot of, like, like with big viewerships or, like, these, yeah, like, Dr. Disrespect or anything. Like, because I know that what I'm doing is very unique. Um, I'm by far the biggest Quake world streamer mm-hmm. um and like so it's a very targeted audience right like um um it's only people who actually enjoy Quake and whenever i can convince someone from other quakes to to come watch and maybe they develop like some interest in the game then i'm i've done my job and i'm i'm happy you know um if i can attract anyone from any arena FPS, to come watch Quake World. um, Or even start playing themselves if they want to. Um, But just watching is like, that's um, I'm happy about that. And then it doesn't matter for me if I have 200 viewers or 20,000 viewers. Because um, if you want more viewers, Quake World is not the game to stream, you know? You would stream something more mainstream. but um, what I'm doing is unique and nobody else does it really. So that's uh, what I kind of like about it as well.
1: What would you do if not Quake World?
0: You mean in uh, esports specifically? Oh, or? I mean like
1: what would you do if you like, Quake World was not in your life? Where would you be? Who would you be?
0: Uh, I would probably... Um, Go back to my old job, probably. Like I, it's not like I've been doing this since I was uh, eighteen or anything, right? Um, but um, yeah, I would probably go back to my old job and have more of a personal life. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I don't really want that. At least not now. Like like I said, I can't I can't do this until I'm sixty five and retire. Uh, it's not gonna. You know, since I'm not technically, well, I do have a. Uh, how do I put this without getting into trouble? I'm not hired by Twitch per se, but I don't. Le- I'm, I don't really have like an employer, right? Like, um, um, so I can't technically do this until I retire because I wouldn't have a pension and I wouldn't have any money. So. <laughs> uh we'll we'll see how it goes. I will definitely keep doing this um I have no plans on stopping um at this point uh what I want to do is grow the stream even more and the last um couple of months have been really good for the stream uh getting a lot of subscribers and so on and uh a lot of a pretty big viewership for for just an everyday game, um, which, uh like, it, just a small tournament game or something like, not like a grand finals or anything and still getting pretty decent viewerships. And, um, yeah, what I want now is to, to, to grow the stream as much as I can, maybe set up a Patreon, like you mentioned, maybe, um, and also fix the Twitter stuff, of course, that is, that is very important. And, um, And then we'll see what happens. Like if if the stream keeps, uh, you know, having an upwards uh, trend, like it is currently, then maybe I'll be fine. Uh, Otherwise, in a couple of years, maybe. uh, I mean, it's also dependent on what happens with um, with Quake World and whether I start branching out into other games. Like I've I've, uh, considered doing Diabolical as well, but. this point, like Quick World, just it takes all of my time, so I don't think I could do Diabolical at this point. But, um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about branching out to, to other games as well to grow even further. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes in Quake World, first of all, and how the game goes. Like, if, if the game dies, that also effectively means the end of the stream. So, unless okay. I branch out, of course,
1: you know, that's a two. Two edged sword. First of all, I don't think it's going anywhere. But if it did, you have so much experience at this point, uh, just not as a not not just for Quake World, but like as an esports commentator, as a a thinker, as a creative person, as someone who's you know a broadcaster that you would be valuable in a lot of other ways other than just Quake World. So it's not like you are going to go hungry, but
0: No, and I, I have, I have like, uh, opportunities, of course, in real life as well, like regular jobs, but, um, I really do enjoy the esports, uh, community in general. Yeah. And even if Quake World died, I would do whatever I could to, whatever I can to, um, to stay within esports because I just love doing it and I think it's really fun.
1: Are you done with your beer yet?
0: Well, I do have a little bit left, but uh, if you want to uh, sort of round this off, and that's okay.
1: Mm. okay. I'll go get another one. We'll keep going. How's that sound?
0: Okay, sure, dude. Sure, dude. All right. I'm down. I'm down.
1: This is going to be a long one. I like long podcasts, though. You're right. Yeah. All right, I got two this time just in case (laughs) eventually one day currently, you know, the studio is just the spare bedroom in my house, but one day there's going to be the in the keep studios. It's going to be like Joe Rogan's pad going to have fucking mini fridge in there. I could probably just put a mini fridge in this room, so I'll have to walk away. Uh, I'll have a toilet like right next to me, so I can just like keep talking while I'm pissing. <laughs> like, skull, skull. That would be a lot better. But yeah,
0: uh, if you, I mean, if you, if you're getting a studio and if you're moving to the Netherlands, I mean, that would be. I could come on the on the podcast once again and see, like, <laughs> because then I could be on site. You know, kind of easy for me to get to the Netherlands. It's like two hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, or I'll just bring my fucking uh like blue yeti and just you know, catch the ferry across the pond there and we'll meet <laughs> up. And that that's the thing is that, that so many of the people that I want to talk to are, are already in Europe, and it would be so easy for me to do like actual in person podcast. And Discord is great, you know, Skype is okay, but you know, there's nothing like that sitting at a table with someone talking. You know, it, there's no. no for sure. The the day that I sit, it's you, me, BPS, and Dennis, and we're just like sitting at a table, swigging a few beers, and talking about this shit for real, for real. I mean, that's gonna be one of the greatest days of my life. So,
0: yeah, and it's so cheap to fly within uh, Europe as well. Mm-hmm. So, so it would be so easy for us to to get down there if you were in the Netherlands.
1: One day, let's we'll set a goal. Now, it will happen.
0: Absolutely, I'm I'm so down. I've flown to the Netherlands so many times already, so I'm kind of accustomed to it.
1: Yeah. I guess the next uh, section of the conversation has got to be your your Quake World career itself. Like, you're you're not just the commentator, oh, right. but you, yeah. you, you do have quite a bit of, you know, experience playing the game. And we talked a bit about how you got into it, but as you said before, it's, a, it's such an incredibly difficult game. I suck big donkey dicks at Quake, but I do love it. <laughs> and how is it not only how did you get into it but also how is, have you seen it evolve over time in terms of playability and uh you know settings and technology How has it grown for you
0: all right so um we already talked about how i got into quake uh, through Locktar, of course but then i i just fell in love with the game for some reason i don't really know why like it was, it was so much fun, and my real-life friends were playing it. Like, uh, I quickly got to new BPS, and we became really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, So my, my friends were playing Quake World. I thought it was, was such an amazing game. And when I spectated, like, getting owned in the beginning was, of course, harsh. Like, it's not very fun just getting spanked left and right. But when I spectated people like Locktar when they played... And I saw the beauty of, of like, what you can do in this game. Like, what, if you're good enough, what, the things you can do in this game. So I just fell in love with the game. And then I spent probably like three years uh, playing BPS. He didn't have a job at the time. So he had, and he didn't have kids yet or anything. So I spent like three years playing BPS over and over and over again. And he would win every single time, but we just kept playing probably for like eight hours a day or something. We kept playing so much. And then since BPS was already one of uh, the strongest players in the scene, um whenever I played a different player, uh, like mid-tier player, that felt like a cakewalk. Like, just because I had gotten spanked by BPS so much, I got used to the really, really good opponent. Um, so when I faced someone who was, uh, worse than BPS, I, I was the one giving the spanking, you know, like, I, it was so easy for me to, um, to just win then because, um, uh, I had learned from just losing over and over. And I I, I I do believe that's the best way to to get better. Like, it sucks losing. Like, it's never fun. But I think the more you lose... Like, losing is the only way to learn, I think. And um, it, there, there's a famous saying from StarCraft, actually. I don't know if you follow RTS games at all, but... Um, there's a, this, uh, guy called White Raw, and he had a saying, a very popular quote, uh, more GG, more skill, which meant that the more you lose, the, the more you, the more you learn, like the better, the more skill you get. And that is actually held, tr- that, that was true for me. Like, I don't know how many thousands of games I've lost to BPS but it actually made me a good player and i eventually managed to beat both him and Locktar in in real tournaments which uh was like so huge for me mm-hmm. and like a a way for me to see that yeah i i've actually made it like i'm actually a good a good player at this point
1: so for you like who are the uh let's exclude we'll we'll take loktar and bps and milton and we'll put them aside if you were to build like a like a mount rushmore of amazing quake players you know and that doesn't have to be the best players but like you know personality can be a factor contribution can be a factor um you know just in entertainment can be a factor like who are the people that really make the game exciting for you
0: oh man Oh that's a hard one if you include all these things um think um I I think I would have to build two Mount Rushmores right like I, I would have okay. to do, like um one would be um a mix of like the the developers and the tournament admins like I'm an admin in almost every tournament but um there are plenty of other admins as well and they are Running them more than I am because I don't really have time. Mm. Um, so that would be like, uh there are so, there are too many to mention, but then there's also the other Mount Rushmore that has more to do with players. Like, I love watching some of these players play. Like, uh, I love watching Gulat. I love watching Boga Joker. Um, I love watching GT, a Brazilian guy who's just, amazing to watch um you know there there's so many things in quake world that makes me excited about it like there there's so many things um so it's kind of hard to pinpoint i I could probably build ten Mount rushmores you know
1: what uh as far as game modes go I it's been a big contentious point on my podcast a lot is that, you know, I, I really don't like four fours and quake at all. Um, I understand like, I, I get that there's a lot of skill there, but just for me, it's not fun to play personally, but for you, what, what resonates?
0: Uh, okay. Um, well, the thing is, I think that's, um, an, an absolutely no offense to you whatsoever. Um, I think four on four, Becomes probably the most fun mode once you really understand it and mm-hmm. you understand how, how it really works and all the team play. Um, but I am mainly a, a dueler. Um, in my form four career was like, I, I absolutely understand the game, but I was never one of the best players in form four by any means. Um, but duel was de- definitely my, my, my forte. Um, probably because of all the thousands of games I played against BPS in one on one. So, um, but I, I love all game modes. Um, and I understand them all. Like, I, I, I was so lucky, right? Be- because the fact that I was a player and I became a good player, um, That helped me so much when starting to stream. Like, it's kind of hard for, say, Jahar, for example, who doesn't have that playing background. He doesn't understand all the moves. He he doesn't understand everything about it, which is why we make such a great team with him doing play-by-play and uh, me giving some insight. Um, But I'm able to do it on my own as well. Just because I understand every every part of the game, because of my playing background, so I I I think I got lucky that way as well. I <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten lucky in many ways, I, I guess.
1: By the way, happy birthday to Jahar! That was yesterday. I just want to say that.
0: Oh wow, I missed that. Oh, I'm so. Oh, I feel so bad now.
1: Yes, his birthday is on Halloween.
0: It's- Damn yeah
1: so now the whole world uh or at least the entire world that listens to this shitty podcast knows that
0: well happy belated birthday to alex i'm so sorry if you listen to this i missed it i'm so sorry
1: i'm sure you'll tune in you're you're one of those folks that's like a it's not like you're the most popular guy in the world but within the people who know you like everyone kind of points to where you use you're awesome like uh, you've heard, I assume you told me you listen to a lot of the, the quick world content that I'd put out before and y- your name just like kind of always comes up. It's like a, and and, 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 I'm like, and I can't do everything. I I only have so many hours in the day that I can really, you know, dedicate to the, the show. But that's one of the ones that like, I knew I wasn't going to do you tomorrow or the next day, but I knew eventually Andy has to be on the show. And when you you reached out to me, that's another really cool thing. Is uh, I'm that's cool for me as a podcaster. Like I don't even have to like ask anymore. Getting mm-hmm. these big, I get the big guests, and they're asking me to do it, and that means success. But
0: yeah, I thought yeah, I thought the um um I I saw the Messiah Nico um or I listened to that podcast mm-hmm. and that and then I dove deeper and listened to all the BPS and Milton and Locktar ones. Um, and they were great. So I was like, man, I, I I'm gonna check if he wants to have me on because uh, you you seem like such an easy guy to talk to and uh, really down to earth. And all, also, you get to drink beer during the podcast. You know, that's always nice.
1: I, just, I mean, I'm a beer drinker, uh, or just you know, I I like alcohol. There's there's no ifs <laughs> or buts about it. Like I just enjoy it. it makes me feel. Um, that when people, you know, when people talk, right. Often they'll have, especially over like online, right. They'll generally have a, a bit of a reservation, you know, like a a little bit of like a, I don't really feel like I'm fully there, but you know, social lubricant definitely helps. Uh, It's not for everyone. I'm not advocating alcoholism by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that. The fact that you know you and I can sit here and talk for uh, going on two hours, uh, if we if we were not drinking, we'd probably both be like dead. You know, like, uh, I don't know what to talk about, or or, or or I'm afraid to approach that topic, or I don't want to say this about that, and you know, and there's some protection that I'm going to go over it afterwards and make sure it's cleaned up you know i'm not going to have you just uh, blah, 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 and if like uh like uh cuz that's me you know most of the time is i have a lot of verbal distractors that i have to clean up or you know at least circumvent in some way but i do think that it's there's a reason why humanity has been you know attached to alcohol for you know so long or or whatever you know if you smoke weed if that's your thing whatever it is there's uh, there's just something to altering the consciousness in a way that makes it a little bit easier for you to have a conversation and i think that's yeah for sure i
0: mean you know um it helps a lot like i i wouldn't have any issues like i'm also a beer drinker i love beer um i don't drink hard liquor uh because i don't enjoy it um i just like beer uh but um i have no issues uh speaking in front of people like i said uh, earlier and i have no issues uh uh, talking to you whether i was drinking or not but i do like beers so.
1: <laughs> where does that come from though like what what makes you so comfortable in front of people because that's not everyone uh, that's...
0: probably because uh um i'm a musician so i've done a lot of like uh bar gigs and things yeah. like that um guitar play, bass drums uh guitar I, I play acoustic guitar and i'm a singer
1: oh so, um, you gotta send me a I've song for a the podcast you have to
0: there's no other way <laughs> nah nah let's not go that far come on you could probably you can probably just search for my name on, on uh youtube and you'll find me because there's some old stuff up there
1: no no you send me something you want because if not i'm gonna find it on youtube and i'm just gonna like have a shitty download of-
0: <laughs> yeah no but I, I think that um being on stage and so on um it was really scary when I was like young, like in school, for example, we had like school plays or whatever, like musicals or stuff like that. And, um, uh, I, I was always singing and uh, playing the guitar and it kind of, it was scary at first, but then, you know, as, as the years went by, I got used to it and I think that helped. So now I'm not afraid of, um, uh, like I'm really, I guess, secure in, um, in just talking in front of people, whether it's yeah. commentary, whether it's uh, singing, whether it's whatever it is, um, or just talking one-on-one with you, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm super relaxed. So,
1: so does, uh, what's the origin of your musicianship? Like, where does that come from? Um,
0: uh, my mom actually, um, uh-huh. she was an opera singer. Oh, Yeah. Um, unfortunately she had to quit when she had me because, um, uh, I messed her up a little bit when I was, uh, when I was born. <laughs> oh,
1: Damn, it's a big but, boy. Uh, big boy. No, I
0: wasn't, I wasn't big. It was, I was just like a really, uh, like when I was still in her, in her belly, I was, I was like, uh, apparently a very annoying kid to have in there. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, uh, no, but my musical part. Um, my uh, grandpa, um, was a big singer in, in Sweden and mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of tours and so on. So, my musical side comes from my mother's side. And um,
1: do you have recordings of your mother or your grandfather singing anywhere?
0: Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I don't know about if I. I don't know. I have some LPs of my mom, but uh, I think there is stuff from my uh, grandpa on um, on YouTube somewhere. All right, I'll make you a deal.
1: I won't rip your YouTube videos if you can find me like an, a proper MP3 or something of your family singing. Mm-hmm.
0: That would be great. Um, I mean, I don't know. Wait. Do you, one
1: sec, do you know pollution. the game uh, Dusk? No,
0: no, not really, no.
1: Really? Man, you are so out of loop. No, um, <laughs> no Dusk is a really great uh, retro shooter. It's a very, very Quake-influenced, very Doom-influenced uh, oh,
0: new wait, blood. I, I might know it, actually, but I'm not sure. Okay.
1: But um, the guy that designed it, right, uh, his name's David Szymanski, and he is a... Uh, chamber music composer you know so he does like you know, not, not people will often conflate this with classical music i did until i spoke to him and he set me straight but you know chamber music like you know violins uh, for like a a quartet ensemble kind of uh, victorian era music and he's really into that shit like he went to college for it and everything and then ended up as a game designer somehow but i like when he was on i just included like all right here's uh, you know people were expecting like the dust soundtrack from andrew holshot a really great composer but i was like no nope, here's uh, here's david Szymanski <laughs> playing <laughs> playing violin and shit and i love that i i love when people have you know like a deeper set of like multiple interests you know so that's really cool
0: are you a fan yeah.
1: of opera because of your mom or anything do you, uh, you know?
0: well uh, i mean Andrea Bocelli is uh, amazing for uh, I mean, there are some really good um, uh, opera singers, but it's not really my genre. I'm I'm more like a mm, country, classical kind of guy.
1: Oh, country man.
0: Yeah, a little bit like that.
1: Okay. Okay. I I like this. (laughs) Song. <laughs> do you know uh do you know steven seagulls that band no <laughs> they're i believe they're finnish is, is the thing about southern finland is that their accent when they speak english sounds extremely similar to a like a texan southern american accent what, it's really it, it's really straight like, look at my my brother uh capelli like if anybody that doesn't know capelli find him on twitch or whatever he's from he's from finland And he, I swear, dude, you—it's very difficult for someone who's not attuned to either accent to tell the difference. Like you would think, like this guy's a redneck, but he's from Finland. Um, and I could say the same of uh, the the White Hell guys. It's it's very strange. That accent for some reason just is so so similar. And I never
0: that like I I thought Finnish people always had that like very um thick. Uh, Finish uh, English accents, you know. Yeah, like, but
1: uh, it, it sounds a bit like this. Like they're talking like they're from. Yeah, uh, like, I'm from Texas, man. I'm, you know, hey, man. Man, <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's got a bit of a twang to it. It's, it's a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Um, I like a lot of like, um, I like uh, Chris Stapleton. I like. Um, I do. Brent. I love
1: Chris Stapleton. Um, you
0: know, Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude. I like those. But then, of course, I do a lot of like, uh, Swedish songs as well. Like, uh, yeah. but it's always, um, acoustic. It's, uh, so kind of like a troubadour, you know?
1: Yeah. That's awesome, man.
0: But I don't nowadays have too much time to like the, the little time that I get over. I, I pick up my guitar, um, and I play, but I haven't been recording for a while now. I haven't done a bar gig for a long time. So, Because right now it's all Quake world, but yeah, that would be my, my secondary interest, I guess, like the second interest in my life right now.
1: How old were you when you first picked up a guitar? Uh, Seven. Shit. I was 11. I want to say maybe, maybe 10 or 11. I had like a little shitty Walmart acoustic guitar. And then I told my mom, like, I want a, a real guitar, you know, for Christmas or whatever. I picked yeah. up the bass, uh, it was the, the first, like I wanted a bass guitar. I don't know why. I, I think, um, uh, my mom really liked Motley Crue, the, you know, and, yeah. and I was into Kiss a lot at the time too. And so like oh, yeah. between you know, Nikki Six and Gene Simmons, I was like, bass is cool. I want to be a bass player. And yeah, ever That's since pretty- then, I've just been obsessed with that instrument. It's-
0: yeah. My, my older brother was, uh, was a bass player actually.
1: Hmm guys play together?
0: Um, no, not really. Um he played in a, like a rock band and, and stuff like that, and that wasn't really my genre, so um but we did jam, you know, every now and then. Yeah. Uh he passed away unfortunately with in uh, leukemia, but um yeah I I had a lot of um posture, I guess to, to um to bass in general. Because he played it,
1: I'm sorry. It's a cool
0: that. instrument. Yeah, it's been a while now, so it's okay. But maybe yeah. it's weird to talk about that on on a podcast about Quake. But no,
1: it's you're being real. That's what I like about it. That's why we're drinking. It's like you're being real. You're being very much like um, you're letting your guard down. You know, that's beautiful. That's what you're you know. Hopefully, your fans don't want to just. There's the Andy that's you know. Sports broadcasting. And hey, I'm here to talk about Quake World today. And then there's Andy, the guy. And that's who we're talking to today. And that's, that's amazing. So like, first of all, I'm, that's terrible. I'm sorry that you lost your brother, but also a beautiful thing from that is your exposure to the bass guitar. So.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. There's just something about the bass. I I play guitar, you know, like I I play the electric guitar and I'm, I'm pretty, Proficient, but just the bass is so much more visceral, right? Like it just, you can feel it in your bones.
0: What's the name of the bass player in um, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Uh, Flea. Not yeah, to be
1: confused with the Quakecaster Flea.
0: <laughs> he's freaking amazing at the bass yeah. guitar.
1: Yeah. Uh, Les Claypool. I mean, there are so many greats. Uh, Primus. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Primus, but that's no. Les band.
0: So no, you but, um, you're
1: not a rock musician at all. You don't like rock music.
0: Yeah, or? I once upon a time, so it's, it's kind of interesting because um, when I was seven, right? Um, yeah, uh, my parents divorced, and my mom met a new guy, and he played the guitar, and he he, he already had like a, a couple of uh, really nice guitars or oh, well, really nice. Uh, he had one 12-string and uh one 6-string and um taught me my first, you know, chords. Uh before that I had played like the recorder and you know stuff like that. Um other instruments. But I I he really taught me how to play guitar and then I or well, he he gave me the start that I needed, the the, the first bump, you know, and then uh, I kind of self-taught myself after that. Um And, um, uh, in the beginning, I, I listened so much to, to heavy metal, like, um, uh, but it was, it was mostly like, um, you know, like Iron Maiden, for example, I've seen them live in Sweden, like four times, um, Metallica, for example, um, I loved, um, yeah, a a lot of these older bands, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love those. Uh, but I quickly, uh, when it came to my own music, I, like, even though I was listening to, to heavy metal, I would all, like, when I played myself, it would be acoustic and, um, uh, maybe some country and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did enjoy a lot of rock music, uh, when I was younger. Not so much anymore, but, uh, it's not that I dislike it. I like all kinds of music. Like I can see when you when you're a true musician, you you enjoy all kinds of music. Like there's no music that is bad. You might have preferences, but um like whether I listen to Slipknot or if I listen to um uh, Andrea Bocelli, like um it's all great music. Yeah, you a, appreciate
1: the craft, right? Not just the yeah exactly because you know how it's made
0: doesn't need to be my 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 favorite music but i appreciate what because like the music is good like it's not like they're um off pitch or like you know legit bad music like <laughs> you know
1: now i really love like old school country music I, there's a lot of modern stuff really just irritates me I, I don't dig it it's it's kind of pop music disguised as country music in a way uh at least here in the states but like the old stuff you know marty robbins uh big iron or like the the master's call that kind of stuff or uh, even you know johnny cash uh, waylon jennings that kind of shit like i, I grew up with that
0: like that's the yeah. only one of the ones that you mentioned that I know a lot about and can yeah. play a lot of songs from, but like, um, um, of course I, I, I grew up in Sweden, right? So, and country isn't really a thing here. Yeah. So I was introduced to that when I was in my teens, I guess. And it was very limited still. It was like, yeah, not too much. Like, I think you need to be American to, to really get exposure to a lot of country music yeah. Um which I wasn't. So there's a lot of a lot of things that or a lot of um musicians that I haven't heard. But yeah um, But then now anyway, so um on my eighteenth birthday I got a really nice like I had one wish for a birthday present um from everyone in my family. And that it was that they would go together and uh, buy me a nice guitar. So I got a, uh, a really nice Martin uh, guitar.
1: Oh yeah, those are beautiful, man! Such a good warm yeah. tone to him. And then, the lacquer finish or like a just wood, just wood. Uh,
0: yes, just wood. And, yes um um Yeah, but it's a dreadnought, so it's it's pretty big. So when I got a little bit older and had worked for a couple of years um I uh I put my money together and bought a Gibson LG2 um so I have two really nice guitars one Martin and one Gibson LG2 which is a smaller guitar um and uh yeah that is just the best one, I would say
1: I really like um it's funny. I, I've talked to so many Scandinavian people and I don't think this has ever come up on the podcast, but I'm very much into like the black metal stuff, uh, from the nineties. Oh, yeah. Like very, very much. I, I love Burzum. I love Dark Throne and all, uh, all that stuff. And I mean, you were a baby, you know, when that came out and you're three, three years old or whatever, when a lot of that stuff was really hitting the scene, but. I don't know that music really particularly speaks to me for some reason. Like I, I don't know why it's just so like uh, to, to explain it sonically. A lot of that stuff is production is garbage dog shit. It's sometimes purposefully done that way to kind of emulate that sound because it was very grassroots, you know, it was just guys in their basements or in like cheap recording studios making music. But the it's another thing, you know, kind of like Quake World, where it's j- very community driven, very much like you know, there's a, a few people who are really into this and they love it so much that they'll keep it going forever, kind of thing. Yeah. And that that music just, I don't know, it speaks to my heart.
0: So I watched um I watched some research about um different music kinds of music and what is actually the most relaxing, and um. Because some people, myself included, like I sleep way too little, which makes it even like after, after a commentary session or something, I have a lot of adrenaline and it's, it's hard to fall asleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people say that you should listen to like, you know, pouring water or like, you know, this, um, or really like calm music or something, but then, um, I I looked through some research that scientists had done and apparently the most relaxing music is actually the really hard stuff like death metal or or so on. And they made the comparison that like, you know, stress balls, you don't, you don't like, how do you say it? Like, uh, like the way to relieve stress is by squeezing them, Mm -hmm. you know? And therefore, like, it works kind of the same way. You get a lot of that, um, by listening to music like that, you get rid of a lot of adrenaline and a lot of, um, um, the stress. So afterwards, so it's actually like, it, it's true. Actually, there's research about this. People can Google it if they want, like, uh, listening to, to really like black metal or some really, whatever growly rock or whatever is actually more relaxing for your brain
1: i've definitely fallen asleep bit. more times listening to burzum than i ever have listening to you know beethoven or anything like that so <laughs> music yeah, is the- strange it, it really is it, it's like this unquantifiable quantifiable piece of art that humans create solely like, you know, I guess birds create music in a way, but I don't think they compose music if that makes sense. You know, like this, this practice of continually, you know, writing and, and especially recording. That's a modern kind of thing, you know, from 20th century on to, to yeah. have that recorded and able to listen to is a totally uniquely human, thing
0: yeah i think also um the fact that i'm a musician by heart like Mm -hmm. or like i've been a musician my entire life way before i started doing um any commentary or broadcasting um i think that's also the reason that i mentioned before that i pick up accents and i I start talking like the people that i talk to yeah Uh, i think that when you have that musical ear uh you it makes it easier to uh how people talk think. So um, that is probably the reason why my accent has changed uh, so much over the years, depending on who I'm hanging out with.
1: Man, I don't think I'll ever get away from the Southern accent.
0: (laughs) I don't think it's too, too much though. Like you, you mentioned you're from Alabama, but like, I don't, I didn't hear too much of that. Like Southern accent. It's not massive.
1: I've done a lot of, you know, honing it in, trying to be more, you know, worldly and everything, but you know, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I was just home and it comes back, you know. I'm sure you anyone from any place in the world experiences this, but when you like, you know, interact with people who are from the same place you are, you know, uh, I've had experiences where I'm like I'm in California and I'm in a like an office building and I'm talking and it, you know my voice basically sounds like it does know you know essentially but this woman uh this and oh, she she must have been you know mid 30s black woman comes running around uh, a cubicle and she she's like where are you from and i was like i'm from mobile alabama and she's like i'm from pensacola florida like right they're right next to each other on the map yeah and yeah. and it was just like uh you you can't miss it in the you, you really feel like, um, a, a connection to that person through language or at least through, you know, tonality in the way that you speak. And, and that happens all the time. You know, I've, I'm sure people will run into people everywhere, you know, no, no matter where they go in the world. The, the, the song, um, Land Down Under, right? By a minute work is about that exactly the same thing. It's like, you know, continually running into other Australian people, no matter where they go in the world. And, it's such a beautiful feeling. So as much as I'll ever, I have things that I hate about the American Southeast uh, that I can't justify or anything. But ultimately, that will always be home. And so when I speak, no matter how much I try to escape it, there's going to be something in there. There's there's a little hint that gives me away every time I speak.
0: Where do you live now, by the way?
1: Arizona. I live in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. The, uh, the Southwest, the, the home of the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm really close to, have you ever seen the movie Tombstone?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Oh my gosh. Such a great Western. Um, I live very close to Tombstone. It is like kind of the center of like Wyatt Earp or, uh, Doc Holliday, like these kind of mythical American, you know, outlaw sheriff battles, like, uh, the, the Wild West. This is the home of that. And I, I like yeah. that too, you know, from a historical perspective. But yeah, that's weird. pretty cool. It is. Uh, I don't know, but there's something in Europe that's much older than that in human history that I want to see. Like, I, you know, I want to see the well, Colosseums.
0: Like, um, well, I mean, the U.S. is a very young country uh, mm-hmm. in general. Um, so there's absolutely a lot of a lot of history in Europe. I want to
1: I want to see like Babylon man I want to go to Iraq it sucks that it's like war torn and everything but I want to see that stuff I want to see the you know Mesopotamia uh, I want to see Gobekli Tepe like I want to feel the vibrations of human evolution and I can't do that here so
0: that's uh, why being uh, Swedish like a lot of the interesting things for me is like um, seeing um, old uh, rune stones and so on from um, from the Viking Ages. Uh, we call it the Viking Age uh, over here. Um, uh, like
1: when, you know, 800 to 1200 kind of yeah, area. Yeah, yeah.
0: When, when the Vikings were raiding and um, doing, yeah. There's also this, um, like, you know that uh, it's widely known that uh, Swedish women are are good looking, and there's please, please,
1: uh, hold on. Let me see if my wife's awake.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's uh, there's this theory, right, that uh, the Vikings, when they went to all these uh, these other countries, of course they were not really nice people. Like they raided villages and they uh, raped women, and they were not really nice, you know. But um, The the theory goes that they brought the good looking women back to Nordic (laughs) countries. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how, over 800 years, um, you know, (laughs) Nordic people have been really good looking.
1: End up with really tall, you know, beautiful women. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, there's something to that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify what happened in the past or anything, but like, yeah, for sure. Like,
0: I have no idea whether it's true or not. It's just a theory, as far as I know. But uh, the theory goes that they brought back the beautiful women and left all the ugly ones, which is why. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to say anything bad, but like, um, like there's a saying like if you go to London, for example, um. In the UK, in England. If you go to London and you find a cute girl, I'll bet you she's Swedish.
1: <laughs> well, the, <Yeah. laughs> you know, the, um, the reason why everyone in the Netherlands is tall is because all the, the short people drowned when the levees broke.
0: <laughs> right, right. <yeah.
1: laughs> or or it, same as in New Orleans, like it's sort of similar kind of factor. Like, uh, And it's really, it's kind of fucked up, but it's true. Like that's... Evolution is very real. We can't deny it. Uh, Genghis Khan, right? Like he—that's—that was his whole thing. Is the vast majority of the human population has some uh, genetic relationship with Genghis Khan because of the amount of people that he conquered, you know. And then his his family, you know, and he, and him, you know, raped a lot of fucking people, or you know, yeah. or took them took them as wives, is the you know the historical way to say it, and. Maybe maybe it was cool, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I, I'm not at liberty to judge that, but that's where we are.
0: Yeah. Well, when when it comes to um, I don't know if I already talked about it, but when it comes to um, traveling. Uh, so you want to see like Babylon, and you you want to see all those uh, historical uh places. Yeah, definitely. Um, to me, I'm less interested in that actually. Uh, I do want to see, like, I've never been to the U.S., for example. Um, So there are four things that I want to do, four trips that I want to take whenever I have time. Um, I want to start on the east coast of um, the U.S. Maybe, like, uh, maybe not as far up as Maine, but, like, somewhere on the northeast coast. Mm -hmm. Go through, you know, New York, visit Washington, Washington, go through Philly of course and then all the way down to like Miami and Florida and then I want to go the west coast starting like the bay area see San Francisco um of course uh um uh, Los Angeles and Hollywood and um take a maybe a trip to Vegas as well because that's something everybody has to do once at least
1: you have to see monument valley if you come to America anybody like, out there listening you have to see Monument Valley. Right, it's an on the border of Utah and Arizona, it, and it is the most magnificent natural thing I've ever seen in my life. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it will make you get on your knees and be like, change. <laughs> cha- you'll change your mind, you know, about a lot of things when you see it. It's 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 so beautiful. Yeah. It's a very spiritual place, right?
0: And I would also like to see like the Grand Canyon and you know, Oh yeah. Uh,
1: you 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 have to pass the, if you're going from you're going from California Bay Area, right? You'll have to pass the Grand Canyon to get to Monument Valley. You can't miss it.
0: Yeah. Sounds <laughs> yeah. like a pretty good route. And then maybe end in like San Diego and then fly back. <laughs> uh, but um I mean no offense to the uh the central states of uh, of the U.S. in general, uh, Kansas and but, Missouri
1: like, uh, can fuck right off, fuck all that. Nebraska, <laughs> yeah. all that. I mean, shit. of course,
0: I, I want to visit Texas for QuakeCon. Of course, like th- that is yeah. one thing. I, I just need Bethesda to or Cinemax to to hire me. Uh, I didn't go last time because they only had four commentary spots, and so uh, no, you should no way from me. To yeah.
1: Yeah. Last last QuakeCon was a fucking blast. We had um, a great time.
0: <laughs> uh, I bet, dude. I bet. But yeah, then I also want to visit uh, Dubai yeah. because I think the city is just so cool. And then I want to go to South Korea just because it's like the mecca of esports. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's got such good infra- uh, infrastructure uh, for esports. Like it's like made for it. So that would be really cool. Maybe Japan as well to have some teriyaki and maybe some really good beef. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's the thing is if you're going to come to the United States, you got to go on a food tour, right? Like it's, you know, the cities are irrelevant. It's the food, right? So if you're going to go through Philly, you got to get a Philly cheesesteak, right? If you go through Chicago, you got to get a Chicago beef or a deep dish pizza or
0: yeah, I I've heard more about like uh New York pizza versus uh Chicago pizza. Like that's a big thing I've heard. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh it's a, it's a contentious subject. People will probably fight over that. <laughs> I think uh there there's benefits to both. Like a Brooklyn style pizza, you know, it's a big flat thing. It's got like just you, know, you pull it apart and it's like a uh, like the ninja turtles, you know, when they yeah. the cheese falling <laughs> off of it. Uh, a Chicago deep dish pizza is like a lasagna, you know, kind of thing. You know, yeah, yeah,
0: it's like yeah. um, almost like a soup in there.
1: Yeah, it's it's just good, brother. It's so good. But
0: I'm sure I'm sure they're both great. But you, I, I uh, that there's like a rivalry going on there.
1: If you come to Tucson, like man, Me- Mexican food is another fucking level of good. Like. I don't know what those fuckers got going on down there south of the border but they they got some good ass food and they when they bring it up here holy shit Carnesada, uh fucking especially when you get you know Texas you, you'll see that a little bit in Texas where it's like mixed with american style foods you'll get you know like nacho fries and sh- weird shit like that but it's not good for you don't, you know
0: you know it's yeah. um, um tradition in Sweden actually the last like um, 15 20 years or so yeah. is that every Friday night, people have tacos. Of course, it's very, like, Swedenized yeah. tacos. Like, if you go to Mexico and have tacos, it's going to be very different from the ones that we have. Yeah. But um, it's like a thing. It's like the Friday dish for almost every family at this point.
1: Well, that's cool. Always you
0: know? always tacos on Fridays.
1: That makes me happy. Mex- Mexican food is a just other level of good.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. But,
1: I mean, there's no more authentic place to get Mexican food than Arizona
0: or Mexico. Or, or Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, I, I've never had really like authentic um, Mexican food, so I I don't know really. There aren't any, or as far as I know, like Mexican restaurants in Stockholm. Uh, oh I should mention that. I'm born and raised in Stockholm, Sweden. So um which like there are a lot of there's a lot of like Indian and Chinese and, and things like that, but I haven't run into any Mexican restaurants like uh, authentic. So I don't know.
1: To put another destination on your map, you know, if you come to America Yeah and you're you're doing you you're really traveling, you know, you gotta hit up New Orleans. Like New Orleans. Yeah. It, it's the greatest si- uh Well, there's a way to define this that's not the greatest city in America. It's the most culturally diverse and beautiful, kind of weird place in America, right? So it was founded by the French and the Spanish over time. And New Orleans, just, it's a shitty place. Like it's been fucking ravaged by like hurricanes and poverty. Yeah, I was to
0: say I'll go in the yeah. spring because like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be there in the fall because of all the hurricanes and stuff.
1: But the food and the the music is unbelievable, man. Like, you know, if you like, I don't know if you like jazz. Do you like jazz, uh, Jerry yeah, Seinfeld?
0: But <laughs> You like I jazz. Also like, that, that's also like I also wanted to go to like Nashville, you know. But the, the thing yeah. is, like, I can't go everywhere. I have to oh, like.
1: You can. I you just know. have to have enough money and enough time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the thing. Like, it would be a month. You and I need to
1: have our own like Anthony Bourdain show, right? (laughs) We just travel around, eat all the food.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude, that would be amazing.
1: But, God, the food in New Orleans is some other. It's it's so good. I don't understand it. Crawfish étouffée. Like, I don't even. you, You guys even have crawfish in Europe? Like,
0: oh, absolutely. We have like um. We have a season in August that we call the crawfish uh, season yeah. where we get hella drunk. We put like funny hats on our heads and we eat crawfish and um, holy, drink liquor.
1: Holy shit, man. Like crawfish etouffee, uh, a gumbo, like a good shrimp gumbo, or even a, you know, I've had squirrel gumbo before. That was, uh, that's a real southern shit, but. Amazing, amazing food.
0: I like that you're into seafood, by the way, because a lot of people aren't actually. People are there's a lot of people that are scared about uh, uh seafood, but well, I, I love I, it.
1: I, and it's weird for me. Like I, I was, I was born in the southeast, right? Like on on the Gulf Coast, and seafood is huge there. Like it's the, it's the end all be all. But my mom's actually allergic to most seafood, so we didn't eat a lot in the house.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And so I didn't really appreciate it until I moved away. Like I moved to, to, to California when I was 20 years old. And then I, you know, ended up in, uh, I went back to Mississippi at some point And then I went, now I'm in Arizona and now that I'm in Arizona, like there's no ocean anywhere near me. So seafood is like not all that accessible. Uh, so the first thing I did when I got back to Alabama, I was like, give me that fucking, like, give me all that good shit. Like I want yeah. that, <laughs> yes. all of it. But yeah, I don't even really like crustaceans to be honest with you. I don't like crabs. I don't I don't really like shrimp or crawfish necessarily, but if it's in a good etouffee or a good fucking gumbo, I'll eat anything. I, you can put fucking probably human flesh in a gumbo and I'd eat it and not even know the difference. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> Well, I'm not too much for uh, crab, but um uh, and I'm on the fence of lobster like yeah, I like it sometimes, but like if you get, like, a surf and turf or something, like, mm-hmm. the meat, um, like, if you if you eat the lobster first, whatever you eat after that is also going to taste lobster. So, I, I'm, I'm, like, eh, a little bit on the fence with that. But I love crawfish. I love shrimp. And I love fish. Um, I'm a big fish eater. My my dad's side was actually, like, uh, my entire dad's side were fishermen, all of them. So my my grandparents on my dad's side um uh were self sustaining like they 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 fished their own food you know they didn't yeah. buy food. um so that was pretty cool so i grew up on a lot of fish and uh yeah i just love fish and seafood in general it's weird this I is so weird. this is supposed to be a quake world uh, podcast i guess or like uh
1: <laughs> it's supposed to be a podcast about Ende. So yeah. this is
0: you. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm also uh, something interesting to, to not to that. I don't like talking about food, but I'm getting hungry and it's, uh, almost 5. AM, um, <laughs> but, uh, something that I've recently had to learn, like I've been forced to learn how to deal with is that when you are a public figure, you also get a lot of, um, or a lot, maybe not a lot, but you get people that dislike you, uh, which is um, something that was really new, really new to me. Because I try to be nice to everyone um, when I can, uh, but when when you're doing pod, uh, sorry, uh, broadcast, um, some people won't like you. They won't. They will say shit and it's really hard for me not to um uh, react or like uh, take offense to it but i'm I, i've had to learn to to kind of ignore like quote unquote haters or whatever to yeah. whatever you want to call them you know that is so neat to me and uh i struggled with that i I even got myself uh, banned from the US Quake World um, Discord server because i i could I couldn't take it. Uh, I i uh, i got angry, which Who banned I cannot. Him? Uh, well, Messiah.
1: <laughs> All right, Messiah, we're gonna have words. No, I'm
0: kidding. Uh, uh, and uh, there's no b- bad blood between me and Messiah specifically or anything. Yeah. It was like, um, but I I I had a like a three, four day streak of, of being really tired, um, hadn't slept. Um, I had been out with Locktar, um, got really drunk and, uh, yeah. When I got, when I got home, I barely slept for three, four days. And then some people were getting on my nerves and eventually I snapped and uh, that got me banned. So. Um, but I can't do that as a public figure, like, uh, and uh, I've apologized to, to all of them. Um, when you run a stream like I do, you, you just, you just have to learn how to ignore that. And that was new for me, um, because you don't really get like, wh- when I've played on stage, uh, music and so on. I've never had, you know, like a boo moment, you know, where people boo you off the stage or anything. Like yeah. I've never had any like negative, um, feedback in that way. So this was the first for me. And, um, in the beginning, I had a hard time dealing with it, but now I-, I think I've learned how to just ignore it. Um, and, uh, try to just, um, you know, focus on what's important.
1: And the, the people that are out there saying negative fucking bullshit. I, I don't even criticize them like they're they're people, too. They're struggling. their Their life sucks, probably. And the reason why they're doing that shit is because they want you to they want you to notice what they have to say or they want someone to notice what they have to say. Like they're they're lonely and they feel like what they have to say isn't all that important. So they'll do anything they can to get a reaction out of someone. It's a, it's like a bad, you know, remember the bad kid in, in school that was like, you know, acting out so that, it, and I'm not criticizing them again. Like, it's just that they desperately, you know, probably their parents didn't pay any attention to them. They desperately just wanted someone to acknowledge their existence and I yeah. see them the same way Like online you know, people. I haven't got a lot of negative feedback to be honest with you. I'm open to it. Bring it on. I don't give a fuck. I'll ban you, but <laughs> uh, I don't care. Like, honestly, that's, like,
0: exactly, that's exactly what I said. And that's why, uh, I got banned because, um, um, I, I threw out like, well, if you don't get off my, get out of my face, I'll, I'll get you banned from this or this or whatever, you know, like, uh, yeah. Just because right. I am an admin in most tournaments and so on. Which was a very big mistake. Like I should never abuse power like that. Like that was uh and I've apologized so many times. Um but that was really my bad. I need to learn just to ignore it and um they, and move they just,
1: on. They just want to be acknowledged. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that that sucks, man. I'm sorry that you're you know, whoever you are sorry that your life has led you to that point where you feel like that's your best bet for someone paying attention to you. But I don't have any time for that. Like I've got things going on I like, I'm, I'm trying to like run this company. I'm trying to like, you know, talk to really interesting people like Andy and you know, your, your criticism. Like I'm not, I'm not against constructive criticism, but people who just like harass you for no fucking reason. Piss on them. Yeah,
0: you're always gonna get that. And like these big streamers, for example, like the the you know the Doctor Disrespects or um the Ninja Sivi, or,
1: yeah, Nevi eh, all these guys.
0: All these guys, like they get so much like if they were to read all the negative stuff being said about them, they would probably like um, you know, get suicidal. But they've learned how to ignore all that because you have to, the more viewers you get, the more people that find out about your stream, the more people are going to dislike it in one way or another or have input or like, like you said, <laughs> con- constructive uh, criticism is always good. But, um, when you just say like you suck or like fuck you or, you know, things like that, that's not really constructive and, uh, just have to, just have to learn how to, how to ignore that well like, and i'm not trying to make it to sound like i'm like this huge big dog streamer or anything like i do quake world but even in quake world there are people that will um, openly just say fuck andy uh, because that's you know
1: imagine yourself do. in a room of 100 people right uh, yeah. 100, 100 people statistically speaking one or two of those hundred people are going to be assholes or, you know, or, or at least I don't even want to call them assholes, but just socially inept, right? They're not equipped to be, to deal with that amount of people or they're, you know, to be civil. And if you're streaming, you're putting yourself out there on the internet, right? So, you, you know, I, I think the keep has like 700 followers or some shit on Twitter or YouTube or, you know, that kind of shit or, uh, put yourself in the shoes of Joe Rogan or Dr. Disrespect or somebody who has millions of people. Right. So for yeah. every hundred people take one or two jackasses and you know, look at your YouTube, you know, like look at that it likes and dislikes. You know, I see it all the time. Do- Count Dankiel is a really good example. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a comedian and it's like, you know, he'll have, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand views on a video, and mostly likes, and then like a hundred and twenty dislikes. And of the, you know, a hundred and twenty dislikes for a million views, or for two hundred thousand views, or any of, you know, the number doesn't matter. Is it is less than one percent?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So fuck them. Uh, Who are they? Yeah. They're, they're they don't even have a fucking voice.
0: Yeah, no I'm no I, I mean that is very true and like uh, it's not like there's a majority of people that dislike me or anything mm-hmm. it's just that there, there's a couple of few you know and uh, I just need to well I had to learn the hard way to to ignore that and uh, I, I do that now I, I I never respond to to any uh any of that stuff um I just keep doing my thing and um, keep growing the stream keep uh, keep trying to get better at what I do.
1: Listen to your fuckers. If you got a problem with Andy, you got a problem with me.
0: <laughs> Thank you, mate.
1: I'll lay the smack down on your ass. No, <laughs> 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 no for real, though, man, don't, don't pay any attention to that shit. You're, you're doing no, amazing no, no. work and you're in a beautifully unique position, uh, doing exactly, you know, not many people are in your shoes where they can say like, I've, I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm doing exactly the work that I want to do, and that's beautiful. That's that's a gift from uh, Odin or Thor or some yeah sh- <laughs> yeah
0: exactly that, that that's what I what I tell myself as well. Like I'm, I am so lucky that I can uh, I can do this. Of course, I've worked hard to to be able to get into this position, but I've also been lucky that there are Twitch people that. Uh, a Twitch staff that likes Quake World. I've been lucky that you know they've offered me contracts. I've been I've been lucky in so many ways, you know. Um so yeah, I just need to focus on that and nothing else. Just try to get better at what I do. Uh hopefully get hired for the next QuakeCon. If they're gonna especially like I'm sure we're gonna have a 30 year anniversary at, uh, like, six years from now, right? Six years from now, Quake World will be 30 years old, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And I'm sure uh, that Cinemax and, and the team probably going to do something just like for the 20 years uh, anniversary. Yeah. And I better... I Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I get hired for that because, like, I... I want to go to QuakeCon so bad.
1: I just wish that someone other than Bethesda would buy the Quake IP and be done with it. Like, I had a great time at QuakeCon, but fuck, dude. Like, it could be handled so much better. Mm,
0: maybe. I, I have nothing bad to say about uh, Bethesda, to be honest. Like, And I definitely shouldn't say anything bad um, publicly. But um, Don't hire uh, me. Hire uh,
1: Andy. That's your guy.
0: Um, but honestly, honestly, I I don't I've never had any problems with uh, Bethesda people. Um, I know a few. I know a lot of people in the in team. Um, don't know too many at Cinemax, but um, um, still, uh, I I really hope that they will hire me for for uh, whenever they have a big Quake World uh, tournament, and not just like a BYOC because. Uh, one issue with quakecon has been that it's been so sh- uh, short notice like um for like 2019 we got the word that there was going to be a quake world b y o c tournament um like 2 weeks before before the actual tu- quakecon started which is way too little time for europeans to take time off work or whatever they need to do and uh, book flights and flights are pretty expensive and, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Thumpa, the uh, American player, pretty much danced through the last, like, three Quake World tournaments because he was, I think he was in the finals against Doom player or a Quake 2 player or something like that. Thumper? So, like, yeah. no, Thumpa, Thumpa. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I know you like someone. um, He, he, he kind of just rolled through those tournaments and, and won them pretty easily because no, no other really good players were able to attend because of the short notice. But, mm-hmm. um, apart from, um, uh, QuakeCon 2016 and 17, th- those were, uh, those were good tournaments. But yeah, I hope for the next big one, I, I can manage to get hired and that they have a fifth, um, a fifth spot for, for a commentator
1: all right dude i'm gonna get off the internet and go eat some supper
0: yeah yeah i think we've been doing this for quite a while now so (laughs) i mean people listening to this will probably have fallen asleep uh, at this point
1: nah if they do it doesn't matter they've listened to the important parts and it'll all be good but i really appreciate your time and you've been amazing uh let's do it again sometime
0: yeah, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, it's an honor. And, uh, uh, we'll talk more. All
1: right, I really deeply apologize for interrupting Ande's beautiful fucking voice. Like, I had low expectations, but this is incredible. I remember listening to the song as a little boy back in Alabama, but try not to cry. Hear me out. Thank you to Ande for doing this. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, and Lord Revan. You're all incredible and we deeply appreciate you. If you're out there listening to me right now and you're thinking like, Man, I'd really like to support the show. How can I do that? Go to Indekeep.com. It's got everything you need there. You go to the support page. We've got lots of different ways. not just Patreon. There's also... Uh, PayPal, credit card donations, Venmo, if you want to do that. We have uh, affiliate links through Amazon. Uh, if you're interested in doing your own podcast, we have an affiliate link through Buzzsprout that will help us out and also get you where you need to be because Buzzsprout is fucking awesome. Truly, I use it. It's the reason why I'm advertising it. We also have a link for Instacart, so if you're out there and you're a fat piece of shit who can't get out of bed and go buy your own fucking groceries, uh, Instacart would deliver them right to your door and as little as an hour. You can also go to our merch tab. You can get an In the Keep t-shirt. Uh, the Pigeon Classic is still going on. While you hear this, we have Pigeon Classic merch up. All proceeds during the month of November 2020 are going towards the Florence Nightingale Foundation. So it's a win-win. Uh, support those fucking nurses, man. They, they're they fighting for you. Why would you not fight for them? That's all I'm saying. I love you all. Um... This has been amazing. I'm truly honored to be able to do this podcast. It's rare that, you know, you find a place in life like I'm at right now where even though there are trials and tribulations, I'm doing exactly what I want. So thank you. And until next time, stay in the keep.